schools where we meet the quorum, we declare the meeting open and welcome everyone to the platform. Can I ask that the agenda be flighted, please? All right, so we're going to the next agenda item, which is apologies. Um, Chair, we have apologies from Mr. Burns-Namashi, which is uh, um, indicated, and Mr. Mulder also submitted an apology, Chair. Thank you, noted. Uh, can we have a move and a seconder for the adoption of the agenda as tabled? Mr. Mubayani, Chair, and Mr. Mubayani. Thank you very much, Chairperson, for the opportunity. I propose that we adopt the agenda as flighted. Thank you. Thank you very much. Honorable Mutawu. Thanks, Chairperson. I second the adoption of the agenda. Thank you. So uh, in going to the main agenda item, uh, if you can just go up a bit, I think, just go up a bit. It's a part of the agenda I don't see. Okay, right. So uh, we will then have a first a, a presentation by the DTIC and then by Ad Advocate van der Merwe, and then we have tea and then we have discussions. So in um, just as a way of introduction into these two items, in December, the Portfolio Committee on Trade Industry, Trade and Industry placed adverts in the national and local newspapers as well as on all social media platforms of parliament, inviting stakeholders and interested parties to submit written submissions on additional definitions and clauses in relation to the Copyright Amendment Bill. The committee had initially called for submissions in response to the president's reservations with respect to the Copyright Amendment Bill earlier in 2021. Based on the inputs received, the committee intended going beyond amending the sections in the Act as envisaged in the Copyright Amendment Bill, as well as substantive amendments to existing clauses. Therefore, the committee re-advertised the relevant clauses and called for further submissions in this regard. The purpose of today's meeting is to receive the response from the DTIC and Advocate Fundamerva with respect to the submissions received in relation to the last call. It must be noted that in dealing with the remitted bills, the committee is guided by Joint Rule 203, uh, which states the following, that the committee must consider and confine itself to the president's reservations. However, on the 18th of June, the joint tagging mechanism in terms of joint rule 106 classified both bills as section 76 bills. This means that once the bills are transferred for concurrence to the National Council of Province for considerations, the bills in their totality would once again be open for public comments. Therefore, matters failing, falling outside the scope of the president's reservations, while they cannot be considered by this committee, can and should be considered during the NCLP's process. Um, we then hand over to Deputy Minister Gina, uh, sorry, uh, Majola, I think, who is on the platform leading uh, the DTIC delegation. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, and uh, good morning uh, to you, Chair of the committee. And uh, good morning to all the honorable members. Uh, I also extend greetings to the elementary support staff and officials from the DTIC. Chairperson, uh, thanks very much for your opening remarks which uh, have now clarified the purpose of today's deliberations. Uh, from the side of the DTIC, uh, our presentation is going to respond to the submissions that have been received uh, from, the, from the public, uh, following the public call by Parliament. Um, the, our presentation will be led by Dr. Masoja. So with your permission, uh, Chair, uh, um, uh, um, uh, I would request that uh, you allow Dr. Masoja to make our presentation. It is quite a lengthy presentation, taking into account that we received 50 odd submissions during the public pro uh, comments process. So we'll try and summarize, but uh, uh, try and cover all the comments that have been received uh, from the public. So, with your permission, if your kind permission, Chair, can you please uh, allow Dr. Masoja to present the DTIC's uh, comments on the submissions? Thank, Thank you very much, much uh, Deputy Minister Majola. Um, Dr. Masoja. Good morning, Chair. Good morning to uh, the Deputy Minister Majola. Good morning to the honorable members, to members of the public. Um, I would like to also greet my colleagues, uh, the commissioner of the CIPC, Advocate Rory Vola, Mishendri Padayachi, Dr. Ria Nonyana Mugabani, and also to acknowledge the late McDonald Nechitenje, um, who uh, passed on in December of 2021 who was very instrumental um, in the conception of the legislation, uh, this uh, remitted bills, um, and may his soul rest in peace. Um, I will then uh, fl flight the, the presentation chair, and um, as uh, indicated, the, uh, the, pres uh, the, the presentation is quite, um, is quite lengthy. Uh, so one will then try to ensure that um, it, um, it's, um, the way it's approached is in a very, um, that this, it's summarized and um, it's addressed in a way that will not be too long. But um, it's just also to indicate that the stakeholder uh, comments were noted and uh, taken into serious consideration. And Chair, just to check from your side um, how the sharing appears. I'm, I'm having uh, some challenges with the, um, I think it's the formatting from my side. If I just go to the display setting. We've seen two slides ago to display setting so that you then, yeah. That. Sorry, Chair. I think what I will then maybe I'll ask uh, my colleague Tolu to assist me with this um, because the display setting. Um... Tolu, can you flight it for me, please? 
Um, can you please stop sharing uh, your screen? Yeah. All right, um, so you can move from the slide, please. Yeah, you can also move from the purpose um, as indicated by the chair and the, uh, the DM. We are here to respond to the public uh, submissions uh, related to the second call of comments that we uh, publicized in December and received in January. So these uh, bills, uh, they, they have quite a, a, a history uh, in the parliamentary processes. They were adopted by the National Assembly in, the, in, in 2018, December, and then in March 2019 by the NCOP, and then they were referred to the president. And after that, uh, they were referred back from the president to the Speaker of Parliament uh, in the National Assembly. And uh, they are then being uh, addressed for, uh, in the, uh, from the context of the Section 79, uh, uh, Subsection 1 of the Constitution, where the President raised uh, reservations with the constitutionality of the, of, the, of, the bill, of the bills. Next slide, please. So this, this was a process. Um, I'll summarize it. Um, there were two calls of, uh, for submission. The president raised six reservations. I will not go into them in this uh, particular presentation, but there were specific subsections that he 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 dealt with, and uh, that uh, the committee addressed some of them. And uh, now we are dealing with issues related to the uh, uh, exceptions and the um, the international treaty implications, um, as advertised based on the previous processes. And uh, I would like to just highlight the, the, the point that the chair also uh, reiterated about um, in terms of the, the constitution, um, that the committee is limited uh, to the um, reservations that were raised by the president. And this point I'm emphasizing also because we did receive uh, many uh, submissions uh, from the public where other issues were included that were not uh, in the in the in the in the list of those that were uh, recommended by the president, and they looked at some stakeholders looked at the entire uh, entire bill, uh, and 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 uh, not necessarily those specific uh, provisions. So just to uh, re reiterate that point that has already been highlighted, um, and also to 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 indicate that um, this current amendments were um, informed by the public and they were also an attempt to address the concerns that the the, the president has raised with the with the with the bills uh, next slide uh, please there were stakeholders who um, uh, made submissions, uh, but then did not submit support the 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 the, the amendments. Um, some argued that there were uh, submissions. I mean, the proposed amendments were outside the scope of the president. And from there, um, our analysis of the of the proposals is that the the areas which seems to be uh, outside are those that has uh, treaty implications. 
So uh, the treaty implications have uh, warranted that some of the proposed amendments be considered for this round of, uh, um, of amendments. And um, so the, 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 the next uh, proposals will, the next approach to the different uh, proposed amendments uh, will also highlight that most of them were issues that um, were recommended by the public and the uh, issues that uh, requires that something has to be dealt with in those amendments. And um, we did consider all the uh, proposals and the submissions. And um, you will note in the slides that are going to follow, we took into account as many inputs as possible. And um, so that point is important so that everyone knows that um, there are issues when were noted and the uh, public participation process was taken very, very seriously. So our, our understanding is that uh, because of the substantive uh, nature of some of the proposals made, uh, they necessitated that we then, uh, the committee uh, with the recommendation of the parliament and uh, the department consider those, these amendments. Next slide, please. Uh, you can move from this one. So the format uh, followed for the amendments is the one for the, um, the, 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 the proposed amendments that were the document that went out for the advert. So uh, the sequence is similar to the, the advertised uh, clauses that were publicized to the public, starting with um, issues related to section 19D, uh, on issues of uh, the, uh, persons with disabilities. And the first uh, amendment is related to the accessible format copy definition. So this definition um, is um, addressed to address the issue of uh, alignment to the treaty. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, we considered it a minor amendment. However, uh, based on some few um, comments received, there were uh, views that it's not as minor as uh, it is. So the the, the wording uh, suggested there was to include the wording including uh, for that alignment. And the comments that we received was that um, the accessible format copy uh, as, 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 as um, defined is opposed to the definition in the Marrakesh Treaty. And this point was made uh, that even though including two is 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 um, is, is highlighted, um, the, the the definition has a wider um, it's got a wider implication um, in terms of how it is applied in this particular in this particular bill, and um, on the same breath uh, there was a comment around the works that are included in the bill related to the accessible format copy. So. Um, the suggestions were not to remove uh, including or retain including, but the, to say that um, even though there is that uh, um, wording including, it's got a bigger uh, context than the way that we have advertised it. So if you move to the next slide. Our, 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 our um, response for that is that we do uh, note the, the, the proposed, uh, the, the, the views around the broadness of the, of the definition. And the policy position was that 
as much as the legislation um, that the Marrakesh Treaty provides for particular sets of works and also for particular type of uh, disabilities, we took a policy principle that we need to widen the definition for more rights to accommodate uh, persons uh, with disabilities in the country. And um, we felt that it's a very important consideration and also that it's in line with other jurisdictions uh, around the world that have uh, similar considerations made. So this is not unique to South Africa. There are other forms of disabilities that move beyond the visually impaired or other print disabled. And um, the treaty provides the minimum and we then uh, undertook to expand to ensure that there's more rights provided. And uh, on the works, the same approach applies. So we, as the department uh, uh, of the view that um, the wording including should be retained, we recommend it be retained and also the policy position of the wideness of the um, amendment be considered uh, because we know it is one of the contentious issues that has been raised to say uh, other forms of disabilities are not affected by this, but we do know there are other learning disabilities, hearing disabilities, other forms of uh, conditions that affect learning and how one receives learning in the in the in their day-to-day -day activities. So we think that it's very important that we keep this policy position. I just we just wanted to ensure we clarified that uh, for the uh, purposes of this um, for this uh, presentation. So the next one, um, the next item is on the authorized um, entity, the definition of the authorized entity. This is a new definition in the in the bill. And um, the, it's, um, it's, it's, it's aimed to uh, incorporate the authorized entities uh, who provide for these accessible format copies. And also the definition is um, in line with the treaty. Um, it is to ensure that there's alignment with treaty uh, implications with the Marrakesh Treaty. In the previous rounds of uh, submissions, stakeholders uh, recommended that we look at this definition. Uh, and there was an overwhelming number of stakeholders that recommended it. So we also think that it's important that we provide for the authorized uh, entities in the bill. So this, uh, then the next slide, please, uh, talks to the, uh, the stakeholder comments themselves around that. So um, I'll read two and then just summarize uh, the rest. Uh, so one of the stakeholders said that the current uh, definition uh, is, is potentially open to abuse by persons who are not really concerned with persons with relevant disabilities. So the wedding uh, as one of its primary activities or institutional obligations should be um, uh, should be changed to as its uh, as its primary activity or institutional obligation or as its pr principal activity or institutional obligation. So there was a suggestion around there to say um, there is a room for abuse of its primary activities 
and it should be considered. Uh, another wording was proposed. And then um, on the same uh, primary activities, which was one of the main uh, inputs around this, was that it should be interpreted broadly uh, to include uh, organizations whose key purpose is to advocate for interests of people with uh, visual and print disabilities, but uh, not necessarily that being their primary uh, uh, activities. So um, there were views that it should be narrowed, others saying that it might be too wide, and uh, some suggesting that it should be maybe removed, the primary activities must be removed. And other comments were related to some of the uh, uh, expressions in the in the definition, like the words uh, government. Um, for instance, uh, there was a, co a comment that is saying government in the Marrakesh street is vague. And because it's vague, um, maybe it should be clear about the spheres of government is referred to in the bill. And maybe there should be a definition of what government is. So our, our approach to this uh, suggestions is that we looked at the Marrakesh Treaty definition and the publicized definition from the uh, our adverts. And the thinking is that uh, maybe the language um, as used, we should retain it. Uh, because of alignment to the treaty itself, and that um, some of the um, uh, issues that might be uh, clarified further in the regulations, especially the non-policy related issues, and that um, the definition be retained, including um, the, the use, the, 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 the primary activities uh, as one of its primary, as is in the treaty, uh, to align to the treaty language. So we didn't see uh, that much of a divergence between the suggestions made by the public and the uh, what has been advertised. And we didn't foresee um, unintended consequences of retaining uh, what is in the in the in the definition. Uh, next please, uh, Tulu. And then there was um, an amendment uh, consequential in uh, section 19D, subsection one. Uh, where, uh, as may be prescribed to us, uh, removed because of the, um, the, the, the inclusion of the authorized entity. And um, however, the, the public on that one uh, responded, there were comments around it to say that deleting the, as may be prescribed, may have unintended uh, consequences. Uh, for the works that have already been transformed into an accessible format, uh, for example, your braille and uh, for the audio recordings that are proprietary to the entity uh, that transformed or converted such accessible copies. So, um, and then this will infringe any copyright ownership rights that a nonprofit or authorized entity may enjoy from the creation of the accessible uh, format. So um, there was a concern about that, um, and there were there was another comment that said that um, the insertion of authorized entity uh, in this subsection uh, does not show the defect of the section in that by keeping the phrase any person that serves, uh, including uh, uh, including this uh, requirements. Um, including for the person serving the uh, persons with disabilities, um, it, this will not uh, take away the the defects of uh, of of the issues around um, um, uh, that this 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 provision. So we 
and and there were also and there was another suggestion around the wedding. Um, the um, All right, around the wording, in terms of the correction, uh, there was a grammatical uh, suggestion to correct on one, as of section one day, there's any person that uh, serves to any person who serves. So those are the few um, amendments that were noted for 19D subsection one. And uh, we then recommend as a DTIC that the prescribed um, be retained uh, to address the concerns uh, so we also uh, support the um, recommended uh, amendment of authorized entity, and as well as the correction of the, um, the any person versus any person that versus any person who for subsection one, two, and three. Uh, next slide, please. And then there was. Um, uh, suggestions. Uh, there was the proposed amendment for 19D subsection 3 on the uh, uh, authorized entity, uh, the trans uh, transborder requirements for the importing and, and the exporting. Um, on this one, um, the additions uh, we're looking at um, the issues of the how the, the importing and exporting and the um, the, 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 the defense, the, the burden of proof in terms of uh, the, the, the manner in which this, uh, this works are addressed. Um, it was proposed in the, uh, in the processes of amending this to say that this was um, uh, related to the EU directive wording um, to, uh, to reword the, the, to align with the treaty um, in a positive obligation rather than a negative one, and that the tense um, um, addressed here should be more positive than negative, and also the issue with the language, um, the use of the the past and the future future tense in the in the pro, in the defense uh, around this provision. So. Um, the, the, there was a, a concern around this provision, but then our intention with it was to ensure that there is um, uh, this cross-border uh, uh, requirement strengthened and also to ensure that it's aligned with the international treaty, the Marrakesh. Uh, the next slide, please, Tulu. So on this amendment, um, the public uh, raised a concern and I, the, the issues were then grouped together uh, that the wording that has been proposed um, is not aligned with that of the treaty. It imposes additional burdens uh, or obligations upon, upon people with disabilities and that um, the, the new uh, amendment should be deleted um, and be replaced uh, with the context in the, in the Marrakesh Treaty. And there was a drafting suggestion um, that is also similar to the treaty itself. Uh, we can move to the next uh, next slide. So in our in our response, um, the, the 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 green highlighted uh, wedding day is is how it reads in the treaty. So in the treaty, uh, maybe just to uh, for for it to make sense. 
um, it says an authorized entities shall be permitted without the authorization of the right holder to distribute or make available for the exclusive use of beneficiary persons accessible format copies to an authorized entity in another contracting party provided that prior to the distribution or making available the originating authority entity authorized entity did not know or have reasonable ground to know that the accessible format copy will be useful other than beneficiary persons. So the concern is that um, that did not know or have reasonable grounds to know has been a, a, a amended, although it's now more positive. Uh, it's also read, it was read by many stakeholders as adding more burdens to the persons with disabilities and also to the um, organizations that support um, uh, support them. Um, so um, we, 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 we recommend that um, uh, the wedding um, should be aligned to the treaty, uh, given the fact that it was interpreted widely to not align to the treaty language and also to have those unintended consequences and burdens. Uh, however, we are also mindful of the rationale why we had to make it positive. So because of the concern with the drafting language of the tenses and the negative defense, um, we are of the view that if there is another wording that can be considered that is not substantive in nature, but that has a similar effect, it could be considered for further consideration. Uh, next slide, please. On the next slide, um, the comment was around uh, 19D, subsection 4, subsection B. On this one, uh, the concern was the word use of the accessible format copy exclusive, exclusively by a person with a disability. The reason why this was raised as a concern, uh, a comment was made that um, this puts a, this puts more emphasis on the end use um, than on the supply of the of the of the of the work itself. To the uh, uh, um, so the focus is 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 is, is uh, it adds a burden. The focus is more on what happens to the the works, and that is not supposed to be the case. So, and then there was a recommendation that this must be deleted. And we as a DTIC then are of the view that it can be deleted because the implications of this, um, of this provision is already embedded in the main uh, uh, 19D uh, and also the other subsections. So we think that removing it will not uh, cause any, any harm to the, to the process. So we noted the, the, the submissions there. Next slide, please. So on the next slide, um, in terms of the sequence, is, is clause 33, section 39, uh, that deals with the regulations. This is mainly to look at the regulations uh, that deals with the authorized entity. And the main um, um, input that was noted here was the one about the referencing. Uh, there was a suggestion that there is a referencing issue um, the sequence has been a small C and a big uh, cap letter. And then in, in 39CL, the L is small. The other comments um, were, were, uh, were more like uh, comments for noting than suggesting any uh, particular, um, um, so particular 
like suggestions. So for example, a comment that says that the minister must make regulations providing for processes and formalities related to the authorization or recognition by the government of entities that provide education, instructional, instructional training, uh, adaptive reading or information access to persons with a disability on a non-profit basis. So, and then another comment was looking at another subsection that was not advertised, but it was important to, to, to take that into account as well. So then I would uh, suggest that we move from this, um, uh, from this slide to look also in the interest of, of time. The next one is the definition of broadcast. This was one of the major amend amendments uh, and proposed changes to the definition of broadcast. Um, so in, in the previous policy discussions, um, there was an, a, we then recommended that there should be wire um, in the definition of broadcast, although we were cognizant of the uh, issue of the, um, the, the treaty alignment. Um, and um, in the recent round of uh, comments, it was suggested that uh, wire must be removed uh, to ensure uh, compliance with the treaty um, implications. And then um, we then it was undertaken that it be um, removed. Uh, however, we were also mindful of there could be other unintended consequences with this. But uh, so. Following the the the, the, uh, the proposed as uh, amendment, uh, we received comments on this. Uh, next slide. So um, many many of the of the comments were not in support of um, inclusion of wire. And then there were some comments that also pointed to another legislation that deals with issues of communication, which is the Electronic Communications Act, to say that uh, why don't we rather use that um, definition in that act? Because our this would make this one inconsistent. Why don't we be consistent and apply that? And then there were other stakeholders who were of the view that um, we don't have to take the treaty language as it is. Uh, because um, of other implications, and um, uh, so, 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 so there were mixed views around this. Uh, for example, the proposed definition does not include current or new broadcast technologies; uh, rather, use uh, telecommunication. Um, and then there was uh, other comments that acknowledged the other processes in other uh, other legislation. That there's a white paper that has been uh, put out um, on issues of uh, related to broadcast. And that um, um, they were also noted that we are not uh, taking into account the relationship between broadcast and other, like the program carrying signal, for instance. We're not looking at, at this. We're looking at this in a very narrow manner in terms of this is just broadcasting. Uh, next slide, please. Um, yeah, so there were, there were various co uh, comments, for example, to say that uh, by excluding transmission by wire, um, the definition will exclude licensed broadcasters who currently broadcast content by wire. 
So, and, and then the issue of the alignment between the Performance Protection uh, Amendment Bill and the Copyright Amendment Bill on the definition of why, ensuring that there is that consistency. And um, so overall, um, the comments were noted. Others were challenging the, the terminologies used in the definition, like partially wholly, what does that mean? Uh, wireless means, what does that mean? And, and, and so on. So in terms of our, our response to the public uh, comments, we, we are of the view that wire should be retained in the, in the, in the definition. We recommend to the PC that it be, um, uh, it be retained due to the unintended consequences and concerns raised by the public. We also um, note that the wire transmission is still applicable. Uh, for example, the other industries and that removing it might have impl implications for them that still uh, take into cognizance the wire transmission mode. And we, 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 are, we are also uh, noting the concern that the way we approach broadcast highlighted that we may be, there might be confusion about the link between communication to the public, making available to the public and program carrying signal. And we are saying that we, we note that link um, and we also note that there are other provisions in the bill that has got the implications of wire. And um, the issue of the alignment between the performance protection and the copyright on the definition has been taken into consideration. And in terms of the Electronic Communication Act, we acknowledge that that legislation uh, yes, we are also not, uh, mindful of the fact that we are not using the same definition. Um, however, we are saying that um, there is no um, conflict that we have identified on that, on the uh, ECA definition and our, uh, our, def and our definition. And we are... And we are also saying that um, we are aware of the different legislative processes uh, currently underway to review the, the, the issues around broadcasting. So there might be changes on the definition of broadcasting in the pipeline. So on that basis, and also the international uh, debates around broadcasting at WIPO, uh, so there is a discussion around the possible treaty and so on. So we think that uh, for now, uh, while with all these uh, legislative processes in place, we could uh, retain the, the current definition and uh, we'd recommend that we just focus on the wire wireless part uh, without extending to the other, other legislation. So that's our recommendation on broadcast. Next slide, please. The next one is lawfully acquired. The lawfully, lawfully acquired um, recommendation and proposal for amendment was also received from the public in the last uh, rounds of comments. It was a proposed amendment to strengthen the issues around personal copies and the possible uh, exploitation of the works of the copyright owners and the authors without compensation. And um, we included it also to ensure that balance of the rights, balance between access and uh, the rights of the owners and the authors. 
And also we were aware that um, it's a new amendment. It might have other uh, implications that we have not uh, been mindful of. The same regulations were uh, adopted or promulgated in the UK. And um, yes, they have been set aside as per one of the comments that we have received. And they have been set aside. So we'll move to them to the to, to the to the uh, public comments in the next slide. So the amendment is in uh, 12B uh, subsection one and also in the definition. So in terms of the public uh, views around this, there was a strong view around the auto the non-retrogression uh, uh, policy that, or in law that has been violated and the constitutional rights that have been um, impeded on. So this was widely across various stakeholder groups to say we already have the rights to make personal copies and now these rights are being eroded or are being taken away. And it will have implications for access to research, access to education, access to information. Uh, so the, the 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 recommendations were that remove this uh, lawfully uh, acquired. Other stakeholders were of the view: Why don't we talk about the private copy levy uh, for copying? For private copying, there should be that uh, process to incentivize authors and, and 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 copyright owners for their works instead of uh, just having these uh, exceptions without consideration of the private copy levy. And then there were views that perhaps this uh, amendment needs to be properly assessed. It, it needs to undergo a legal assess assessment for it to be uh, considered. And um, a number of stakeholders suggested just remove it, delete it from the from the uh, proposed amendments. Um, and then there were other suggestions to say why are we why are we even considering this when the UK uh, put it under judicial review. Um, then there were suggestions of the wording to say, why not use lawful, lawfully ac accessed instead of lawfully acquired? So, um, so there, there were these ver various uh, uh, suggestions and also contention around this, especially the taking away of the rights. Um, and that uh, this, this definition is flawed because they could be, it's limited to what, put, what is deemed to be lawfully um, acquired. And it is not possible to cover all forms of lawful acquisition in the definition. So let's move to, uh, to the next slide, please. So looking at the, our response. So most of the issues were in that context from the stakeholders. Our response is that um, we did um, consider the public concerns and um, we also noted the developments with the UK regulations, similar regulations that were set aside or dismissed by the courts. And um, we therefore recommend to the committee to remove lawfully acquired from the bill. This is because of the uh, possible unintended consequences and the interpretation challenges that it can bring to the courts or in terms of um, the interpretation of this. And also, uh, okay, so in terms of the, 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 so in terms of that, we are saying that we are recommending that it be, um, it be removed 
and um, we, we, we also noted that there was a provision that mitigated the, um, there was a provision that mitigated the, 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 the lawfully acquired in the, um, in the, in the proposed uh, uh, adverts themselves. There was a, a provision that was added um, we don't know maybe whether the stakeholders... Dr. Soja, can we just wait for the uh, presentation to come back? Okay, there we go. We're just getting to the page we were on. Noted, Chair. I think it was 22 or 23. It was 23. 23. Yeah. Here we go. Thank you, Sulu. Yeah. So on this, on this, on this, so there was a, pro, a, a sub provision that was saying that the factors associated with uh, making a personal copy set out in this subsection does not apply to a copy made in terms of another exception provided in this act. It was intended to mitigate for that concern of the taking away of the other rights in the other provisions. But we also noted that it might have um, that confusion and complication of this cross-referencing between sections when this one applies here, the other one does not apply there, that legal confusion around it. And then um, we, we were not, in terms of our the rationale, it was informed by the public participation by uh, stakeholders. Um, so it was not the intention of um, from the DTIC to take away the rights in this regard, especially the constitutional rights and the rights to access to research, access to information, access to personal uh, copies. So uh, it just it was just to add that point to this. So we can move to the next um, um, proposed amendment, which is the ephemeral exception. So in terms of the ephemeral exception, there's an advertised clause. We can move to the next one. The advertised that deals with the uh, proposed amendment from the Canadian uh, Act, Copyright Act, on issues affecting broadcasters. And um, we took that uh, as a replica from that legislation based on the public submissions that recommended that there should be rights provided for other rights, rights holders um, apart from the broadcaster so that there's, a, um, there's fairness in terms of uh, 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 remuneration, there's fairness in terms of access to records, and, and reporting and so on. So we then uh, considered the public participation and incorporated this in the bill. However, there were um, uh, unintended consequences also noted with this uh, uh, suggestion. So we'll move to the next slide uh, on this. Okay. So in terms of the public comments, um, I, I'm, I'm gonna try to summarize them. Um, overall, there was an issue around the, the language of the Canadian model versus that of our, of our legislation. Some of the terminologies or concepts in the um, Canadian model versus the Copyright Act uh, concern, even with the current bill. And um, some of the rights that 
uh, referred to in the, for example, uh, there were concerns with the use of the telecommunication, um, the, the telecommunication rights. Um, and others were saying that um, it does not exist in terms of our legislation. Uh, and that must be taken into consideration. So a few number of stakeholders raised that. Um, the emphasis on the collective collective society, collecting society was also brought in to say, um, we don't have such a collecting society in the country. And also, um, how will it work in, in practice? Um, so there were concerns around the licensing issues and the implications of this. And um, some of the wording used, the, some of the rights, like the right to synchronize, to say we don't have such rights in the act. Um, and also the rigorous or burdensome reporting requirements that are placed on the broadcasters. Now there'll be more burdens for the uh, broadcasters in terms of responding to re requests for records and so on. So there were concerns about the additional burdens that this will also bring into the uh, this, this situation, and that overall um, is not fit for purpose um, in the bill, that it, there should be a consideration of uh, removing it. Uh, we can move to the next slide. Also, um, 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 there were other uh, suggestions to in incorporate other, other suggestions around it to strengthen the current, uh, um, uh, the current uh, proposed amendment. And um, yeah, so there were certain suggestions like on the issues of referencing, uh, how we call this a right when it's not necessarily a right, uh, co correct referencing, and then the reference to the cinematograph, uh, cinematographic work, uh, which is uh, an error because we are now moving towards using the audiovisual work in the bills uh, instead of cinema, uh, cinematographic work. So there were many unintended consequences identified in terms of uh, compatibility between the Canadian model and the South African context. So we can move to the next slide, please. Um, and conceptual issues like uh, what is uh, official archive, uh, what is official, uh, what does official mean, and, and and so on, and what does archive mean, and and, and so it, as a way forward, we are recommending as a department um, that um, we noted the comments of the public, and we also noted the unintended consequences that have been highlighted. We are also indicating that we note that we adopt. This is from the uh, Canadian copyright law. Furthermore, that um, we we got this uh, recommendation from the previous public uh, participation process. We wanted to ensure fairness and that we had the public, they wanted this to be considered and this has been considered in this process. So uh, we noted other referencing issues and other concerns about the terminologies and, and for instance, the reference to the ephemeral recording and so on. So in, 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 in summary, we are recommending that this recommendation be removed from the bill and that the current um, 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 provision that deals with ephemeral exception be retained. So um, more work still needs to be done around this. We, Sorry, we know can we just ask uh, Session Raja to mute, please? Apologies. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, sorry, Dr. Masoja, we might continue. Thank you, Chair. 
so yeah, we 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 think that we there might be in future there might be a need to assess. Uh, do more work around the Canadian model of the ephemeral exception and uh, to look at the um, legal conceptual matters around it. But at this current stage, as it stands, um, it has many implications. And I think the fair part of it is that it was put out in the public, it was proposed by the public, and we looked at it um, from uh, the context of uh, ensuring that there are um, proportionalities of rights across the different copyright-based industries. So, but when it has in consequences as, as those highlighted, then we need to also take them into consideration. So the next one is around the translations. So on the translations, um, there were not many um, issues raised. However, we noted a few um, there was a uh, amendment uh, considered on the issues of language and, 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 and cultural considerations uh, as part of the amendment to this uh, provision. So we can move to the next uh, slide, um, Sulu. So um, the, the issue is that the, there were comments made that the translation exception, it goes beyond um, what is reasonably required to ensure that works can be read in all South Africa's, uh, South Africa's official languages, that it, it has, an, it, it has a, an effect to be uh, uh, abused um, and it might have an implication for other industries, for instance, the publishing industry. So there was a concern raised about the translation. Uh, the similarly, uh, a concern was raised that it might lead to challenges for the indigenous languages. It might create discrimination for the indigenous languages. And then um, there was a proposed amendment uh, around this um, um, the issue of translation. There was a proposal, a drafting proposal uh, that was that was made. And then there was also some comments made around the use of the word all. The, in, the, in the amendment, there's an all that is standing there. Uh, so the question was, uh, the all must be omitted because the subsections, are, they are independent as they stand. And the other one was related to the same all, and then it was asking whether this was intended to be independent or uh, and there was an assumption that is being made. So um, for this one, um, we we are of the view that uh, based on the fact that we didn't receive many concerns around this uh, provision, we note the concerns that are raised about the wideness of the and uh, of the uh, uh, suggestion and the implications it might have on the public, uh, on the other industries. But we also think that in terms of uh, human rights and also um, other rights that will be added to the legislation with this provision, uh, we recommend that the, the proposed amendment be retained uh, as, as advertised. And those um, minor um, issues around the all uh, be, 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 be addressed. The proposed drafting suggestion um, from our review of it uh, is a good uh, suggestion. However, the only difference with it is that it has the wording, uh, the extent justified by the purpose, but it's similar to what has been advertised. So uh, the view is that rather than uh, making any, any further changes, we can just work with um, what is provided for in the uh, advertised uh, provision. So we can move to the next uh, slide. Uh, so 
So the next one is around the, the definition of the technological protection measure. Um, so in this uh, definition, um, initially access control related measures were not taken into account, they were excluded. And um, in the previous round of comments, there was an overwhelming number of stakeholders who were of the view they should be taken into consideration to ensure more protection, uh, more uh, IP protection and, and for enforcement purposes also for the rights of the authors and the uh, copyright owners. And we were also mindful of the fact that by including this um, proposed amendment of deleting the subsection B, um, which was saying that um, it was defining what a TPM is, and it was also saying it does not include a process, treatment, mechanism, technology, device, system, or component to the extent that in the normal course of its operation, it can, um, it, in the normal course of, of operation, sorry about that, um, it can, um, um, it controls any access um, to any work for non-infringing purposes. So that that part was recommended to be to be removed, and um, so we 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 then uh, um, we supported that it be removed to strengthen the definition of the TPM, and that's how uh, the definition was then changed. But we're also aware that there could be unintended consequences for the exceptions because um, there were many stakeholders who raised a concern with the with the fact that by having a very strong uh, technological protection measure facility or controls then there's also the risk of access to um to to to, to the exceptions access to education access to knowledge uh, next uh, next slide please We received um, several uh, uh, proposals, but there were mixed uh, comments around this. Um, there were strong views that there is an improvement in the definition. It does provide um, legal protection, but that protection is not adequate because of the other amendments or consequential amendments that are also required in the other sections that deals with infringement and prohibited conduct related to the um, uh, to, to, to the tip, to the technological to technological protection measures. At the same breath, there were stakeholders who were concerned that this um, um, uh, amendment is similar to the U.S. model of the technological protection measures, and is very strong, and it is it has got harmful effects. So, uh, from a South African context, it should not be it should not be considered. And then there were others who were saying that um, um, this, the deletion must not be allowed because it's going to have implications for freedom of expression. It's going to have uh, implications for access issues to the public. Um, and there were also concerns about the uses of these uh, TPMs in terms of um, their implications for prohibiting conducts um, and also issues around criminal implications and, 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 and so on. So, um, so we can move to the next uh, to the next uh, to the next page. There were um, concerns also by some of the stakeholders that they advised previously that the committee should not consider uh, these um, amendments any longer because of other laws 
the other legislation that has overtaken that provides for a similar requirement. The reason why I'm pointing that out, that uh, proposal has been said a few times to say, remove this uh, requirement because it has been there before. And um, uh, there's a new law that is now looking at a similar, similar issues or similar provisions. And so we noted that. So our, um, and then there were other suggestions to expand this definition to device or service um, uh, that are there for non-commercial use, especially for uh, persons with uh, disabilities. The response from our side, from the, the uh, from the DTIC on this one, is that um, we recommend to the committee that the B uh, subsection B that I was just reading out be retained, uh, sorry, be 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 excluded, meaning the advert the advert as advertised be sustained, uh, meaning the advert is retained as it is. Um, let me explain why. Um, we have been challenged uh, significantly. So since the legislation was uh, went to the president, we had various engagements with different stakeholder groups, including global stakeholders. And there were concerns that our enforcement mechanisms on IP law is very weak in the South African context, especially on IP uh, piracy, on um, enforcement issues. There was a concern that our legislation is not strong in this regard. So, and, and it, it, it has other implications, for instance, implications for how IP is measured in the context of their country. So we, we, we tried to look at it holistically when we looked at this, the, the proposals to look at what does this really mean, uh, not only for the bills, but for our, our standing in IP enforcement, IP uh, piracy issues and so on. And we do note the concerns about the access issues and the fact that there could be a potential conflict between access and protection. But we recommend that uh, on that basis, we, we, we retain this, um, uh, uh, the definition of the, um, the, 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 the as, as advertised without the, the B um, included. And we also say, we note that there are other, uh, the other legislation that addresses these issues, but we think that the legislation in its own provisions must have, um, strong provisions that addresses the issues in its own right. So we know the other laws, but we are saying that um, let's still have this in the copyright um, amendment bill. Next slide, please. So the same, the same principle applies to the, 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 the technological protection measures convention device. Um, the definition was also advertised. There were um, pro, uh, uh, new uh, provisions included in this definition. Um, we note those uh, amendments. And um, we did not receive many comments on this. More was more on the uh, technological uh, protection measure itself. Um, but then um, we can move to the next, uh, to the next uh, slide on this definition. Um, so there were stakeholders who proposed that the new uh, additions uh, be removed. Uh, for example, the BNC that was added to the uh, to the to the definition dealing with the promotion, advertising, or marketing of these circumvention devices, 
uh, also the issues around the uh, with limited commercial significant purpose. So there were the, the, the proposed amendments was recommended that they be um, they be removed. So um, we the principle is the same as the response provided for the uh, technological protection measure. And just to add that we've noted that in other countries they are approaching the same they are approaching this in a similar manner of ensuring that there is um, more protection. And uh, we did benchmarks from EU to other legislation. Um, the access controls, copy controls are taken into consideration. So um, we recommend that this definition then be um, um, be considered further uh, to ensure that we are in line with uh, international uh, requirements when it comes to IP law enforcement. IP uh, piracy management and so on to ensure that we we are, we protect while we may, we manage the issues of access at the same time. Um, uh, next slide, please. So the next slides are also related to the uh, provisions that deals with the uh, um, technological protection measures. They look at uh, the prohibited uh, conduct. Um, they look at the exceptions in respect of uh, technological protection measures, and um, also looking at the um, exceptions in uh, in respect to uh, copyright uh, management information. So the changes that we made there was the um, the, the the standard or the issues around. Um, the obligations or the sanctions in terms of um, the, 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 the strengthening uh, for the offenses, strengthening issues around the offenses. So we uh, strengthen the condition or requirement um, in terms of uh, uh, obligations or the um, accountability in terms of the way that one would have prohibited certain conduct around these issues. Um, so the wording uh, that was uh, prominent in the amendments was the switching from the has reason to believe to should have reason, should reasonably have known. Um, so we can move to from the slide. So these were the changes that we made around the requirements uh, for the prohibited conduct um, and also for the exceptions. Um, the the comments that were made, um, uh, most some of the stakeholders welcomed them. Um, uh, although there were still concerns that there is a uh, many stakeholders were concerned about section uh, 28p uh, in terms of the the wedding that is there, the, 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 some of the permitted uses and, and so on. There was more concern about 28p um, and also um, some of the, the the suggestions that were were made um, around the uh, there has reason to believe uh, to say, um, it is proposed to, re to replace the phrase "has reason to believe," which requires which requires intentions, with the phrase "should reasonably have known," which imposes criminal liability based on negligence um, in their sections. It this will result um, in, in 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 more actions being criminalized, and 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 there was also issues of. Um, uh, using, for example, using negligence as a ground for criminal liability. So 
like there are unintended consequences, there are stronger uh, provisions uh, which may have uh, implications that were not um, intended, and also the proportionality of the conduct versus the sanctions and the offence. So there were concerns raised with the with with those uh, amendments, and then the, there was one that was not necessarily advertised, but it's a it's like a correction that might be considered around the. Uh, Section 28S, where where, where there's a reference to a performer instead of just a copyright owner. So most of them were were brought, talking to other provisions, but then that issue of reasonably have known, which is part of the advert, came out strongly as well. So to the next uh, slide, please. So to respond to, to this, we say that the reasonably have known, uh, we saw it as a more objective measure, uh, which was meant to strengthen the provisions uh, as highlighted. Um, however, based on the public concerns, um, we suggest that the current wording be, re, be retained. Um, so we, re, we recommend that uh, the, 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 the reasons to believe um, be retained um, as was in the bill. Um, and we also note that some of the suggestions were outside the scope of what was advertised. There were a few sub submissions that talked about a tribunal to say that where permitted uses are concerned and there's a dispute and the copyright owner does not allow access to a work, there should be um, a tribunal that is introduced to adjudicate on those disputes. Um, it was not uh, advertised, but it was a notable um, point that came across from various submissions. And also the point about the performer mentioned in section 28S, uh, not advertised, but if it's a correction that can be accommodated, we think that it's important because it's going to just uh, clarify that provision. Uh, next next um, slide, please. Then the next slide is about the digital rights that we added, they were uh, informed by the proposed proposals from the public. Uh, the public were concerned that these rights were never taken into account and they need to be also incorporated in the, in the amendment bill. So these are the, um, the rights uh, for the published uh, edition and for the computer programs. So these are the amendments that were added. Uh, there are similar provisions in the in the bill, looking at other works like uh, artistic and musical or musical works, uh, audiovisual works. They've got this similar provision. So it's not a new set of provisions. So we can move to the next slide. On this one, um, there was a concern about the inconsistency of this provision versus the broadcast provision that was advertised to remove wire. Because if you remove, you have removed wire, then you have wire wireless in your new uh, digital rights. There was a concern there about the uh, incongruency or inconsistency. And also, um, there was also a concern which was also raised related to the broadcast on the conceptual confusion about the communication to the public, making available to the public, and then the right to broadcast, and also uh, the the right to program signal, a caring signal. And also there was a point made that um, the use of the word original is a concern in the 
uh, especially on distribution, uh, because that's a conceptual incorrect uh, way of using the word original. It was a technical term in corporate law. And now you're talking about distribution and you're talking about co- copies. And then you also there's a mention of original. So there was a concern raised about that. Um, and, and, and there were other concerns that were, were mentioned. Um, and there was a there was a correction that was suggested, but not in an advertised provision uh, on the services um, where there is a uh, to to change the wedding um, serv- services to service. There was a a concern that maybe there should be that consideration there in terms of correction. So we can move to the next slide. On this slide, all we are doing is just to clarify ourselves in terms of the wire, wireless communication to the public, making available to the public. It's just to uh, bring that clarity uh, from our perspective. So we acknowledge that these rights are there and they are treaty-related digital rights. Um, and also that they are provided for in the Ben Convention, um, and it does make a distinction between them and broadcasting. So we also take into consideration that we already have them in the current Copyright Amendment Bill uh, in Clause 4, 6, 8, and 10. And also um, we, we take cognizance that they are interrelated. Um, uh, so they are not, uh, you make available to the public, you communicate to the public, therefore you make available to the public. And um, uh, also it, uh, there are other implications also for, for, for distribution. And similarly, um, the program carrying signal is, is a copyright work. Um, a broadcast or a or program carrying signal shall not be, um, uh, it's related to satellite transmission. Uh, it has to be in a. It, 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 it has to be transmitted in a satellite. So this 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 term, we are, we acknowledge that legally these these are uh, related, but also we are mindful of the fact that um, there are various perspectives when it comes to uh, copyright. There are experts who are of the view, even if we removed wire from broadcast, even if we did, but retained in the other subsections, they could still work even though one would say, but this one is, we are now removing wire from this. Now it's not, it's, it, but you still keep it in the others. Others are of the view, it can still work. You can still apply that right. But that's another thing about uh, legal minds, legal opinions. You find that this perspective says this and then the other one says that. But I just wanted to bring this in just to clarify that we've noted this concern about the conceptual confusion around these rights. Um, they are interrelated, they are interlinked. Um, they are treaty-based types of rights. Uh, we have considered them, they form part of the legislation that we are busy developing now. And they have specific uh, articles where they are in the different treaties, like the WIPO Copyright Treaty. Uh, so we, we note that, uh, and we take that point about the concerns about the inconsistencies. So, um, we can then, uh, on the original, it's the same, uh, the principle we are following is around the treaty language. We note the conceptual, uh, practical approach to say original versus what you are distributing. Can you distribute or original or a copy? But in our view, we took this from the language of the treaties and we think that uh, we should retain original that way because it's also descriptive of a work. 
from original or copy. So we don't we 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 noted the concern, but we think that we should retain the wording um, as as it is. There were not many issues raised with the digital rights. In fact, uh, stakeholders were supportive of the fact that we have included them in the in the bills. Um, next slide, uh, please. So the next slide is on section 27, uh, section 27, uh, where we included 5A. Um, this was to ensure that uh, they are uh, um, legal tools uh, introduced for enforcement to talk to the digital rights, um, the rights to communicate to the public, the right to making available to the public. And this, is a, this was incorporated to take that into cognizance. So we can move to, oh, sorry, the, one of the amendments of interest is the first um, 15A. We say that any person who at the time when copyright subsists in a work without the authority of the owner of the copyright and for commercial purposes, that's the one of the areas where um, concerns were raised. We can move to the next page. That, that commercial purpose, uh, I'll reference to it um, in the subsequent. And then there were other amendments on five, section 5B. Uh, there was section, section 5B and also uh, 5C. And they relate to that uh, strengthening of the defense for the sanctions of uh, reason, reason, reason to believe uh, or should have reasonably, reasonably have known. So it's the same uh, kind of amendment that we dealt with in the previous uh, slides on the uh, technological protection measures. Uh, we can move to the um, to the next slide. So um, the the way comments that were made around this uh, uh, this this amendment, um, and uh, some some stakeholders were of the view that uh, Section Five A um, is it's, it it was it was welcomed, but then there were. Uh, comments made on the point that are made around the different rights um, of making available and uh, the confusion around that, uh, even on this uh, on the subsections. And um, there were also issues around the 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 the, the reason of the, the person who have uh, reason to have known uh, believe because of the similar type of provision. So similar types of discussions were made around this to say this is too strong. Uh, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of infringements um, and and there might be unintended consequences with these uh, with these amendments. And then there were some suggestions around the numberings and so on. So we can move to to the next slide. Um, so, um, and then there was a suggestion that I'm noting on the, the new provisions of offenses in relation to digital rights should be made by way of an amendment to section 27th of section 5 of the Act and the existing terminology for the purposes of trade should be used together with the element of knowing to be uh, infringement copies to define the offense. So this was, this was one of the suggestions made to say that uh, section 27, uh, subsection 5A must be removed from the, from the, from the bill. Instead, uh, section 27, subsection 5 uh, be, be, be used. And then there was also uh, proposals that in subsection, in, in 5C, uh, a and B, uh, the words, uh, the, the the language, they should be in a singular form, like the verbs. There's a way that they should be they should be consistently drafted with the other subsections. Um, 
yeah. So then, and also the the the, the reasonably have known versus reason to have believe the implications of um, sanctions that will be uh, applied in terms of those. So um, we on this on this amendment um, we we did note the proposals, and uh, we noted the proposals around the the language which are um, which could be uh, looked into, and. Um, the proposal for 27 subsection five, we looked at it and, and, and our consideration was that maybe it, it does require further assessment. Um, the way that it was uh, substantiated, uh, we, we could not really uh, see in terms of the distinction between 5A and that, uh, the implications. Um, so we, are, we thought that we can just work with 5A. Uh, maybe in future, we could be looking at something like, like this proposal. And then there was a point about the commercial purposes that um, it should be deleted. In fact, many stakeholders said that it should be deleted because there are um, circulations of uh, works that could be done digitally. Uh, you make something available. You, don't, you do it for non-commercial purposes, but it has got implications, harmful implications. So there were many suggestions that the commercial purposes might have unintended un unintended consequences. It should be removed. But at the same time, um, someone could innocently circulate something. Of course, that's also uh, an issue, but they could find themselves in, in, in a big situation, um, if, 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 especially if it was not for commercial purposes. But the point that the stakeholders made that the commercial purposes might compromise the protection uh, has been noted from our side. We recommend that that um, to the PC that that commercial purposes be considered to be removed from uh, subsection 5A, 27 subsection 5A. So we support that for commercial purposes can be can be removed. Um, next slide, please. So the this was one of the biggest amendments. Uh, I think it captured most of the concerns of the of the public where uh, we were informed by other experts to remove uh, examples of fair use, fair uses because of the duplication. Some of them have, have exceptions in the bill. And we, we, they, they, there, was an overwhelm, there was a concern. Uh, there were few stakeholders who mentioned this and they were concerned about the duplication. Also saying that in other copyright laws, um, they don't have as many um, uses as we do in the South African bill. So then we undertook then uh, to remove uh, the duplications. We then removed them, um, as you can see them highlighted there in black. Uh, we can move to the next uh, next slide. Then there were uh, many stakeholders uh, raised concerns with uh, uh, the, this uh, removal. They viewed it as substantive in nature and that it will have many implications even for the interpretation of the law in the courts because then there won't be that guideline in terms of what is the uses, the examples were useful because of that. So um, many stakeholders uh, suggested that they be they be retained, that they be taken back to where they were because of their use and their usefulness and the fact that they will also assist in terms of um, jurisprudence, uh, even for courts to be able to to utilize, to be able to utilize them. So we 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 looked at this uh, with this at this comments, 
um, they were the main ones uh, in terms of the implications of removing this. Um, other comments, we've noted them. Uh, for example, there was a comment that there is no case for specifying illustration as a fair use purpose. Um, it will affect um, authors of artistic work who, uh, who license their work precisely for illustration uh, at risk. And there were suggestions on the use of words, wording. And then there was a comment around the computi computational analysis that should be considered for addition in the in the in the in the examples. Um, many also emphasized uh, research, scholarship, and personal uses that. Even if we don't bring back the others, at, at least they should be, um, because if they are not emphasized, it will um, affect the it will affect affect the the the, the, the these sectors, especially research. Research was very much prominent um, amongst them. So we then looked at this and we recommend that all the uses be retained, all of them be retained. There was a comparative analysis done with other jurisdictions. Um, ours, yes, they could be seen as a bit more, but we thought that for clarity and certainty uh, in the public interest, they, they should be retained because they will assist also with the legal inter illegal interpretation by the courts. So in terms of the computational analysis, we noted the suggestion However, we are of the view that because we have such as in the fair use provision, uh, it can address that um, as part of. And we are also mindful of the fact that um, the other, there might be a need to also look at other forms of uses. If we add one, two, there might be another 10 others are suggesting, say, what about this one and that one? So we thought the ones that are already there we could they could suffice so, that, so that's our uh, humble uh, recommendation um, next slide please so the next slide talks to provisions that um, included fair practice there were fair practice as a standard that was um, uh, included um, we added standards because they were coming from the views of the public to say the current exceptions are wide they are, they are subject to potential abuse in the public. They need to be tightened. And then we need uh, to have stronger controls uh, over and above what is already provided for by the, by the bill. So standard practice, a fair practice was one of those as proposed uh, uh, standards that should be added in various other uh, 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 provisions to strengthen them. So we can move to the next uh, slide, please. So over, overall, there were not many uh, comments around uh, fair practice. Uh, some were suggestions, um, but then there were others who felt that this fair practice was draconian and, a, and an issue because it's going to affect um, the issues of uh, the fair, the, uh, the, the, the access to the rights of the of the users. Uh, so um, there was a comment that said that uh, the committee should refer, retain the reference to fair practice uh, in, in section 12D, subsection 8, instead of in, in D1, because it's already there. So there was the, the comment was that it's a repetition to have, to have it there and, and also in that, uh, because it's an overarching that talks to the other sections. Um, 
and also that um, the fair practice, uh, if, if the committee is keen to retain, uh, um, the, 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 if the committee wants to retain the, another provision, 12AD that was added, is another uh, pro provision that I was talked to in the, in the subsequent uh, slides. Uh, they were saying that it, it, it should not limit the scope of fair practice um, and it should not affect the rights uh, for the uh, education sector. And uh, there was a, a comment that uh, it's not clear what fair practice means and what is the definition of, uh, of fair practice. Um, and then there were those who were not in favor, but I think overall, uh, uh, many stakeholders supported the inclusion of fair, of fair practice. Um, so in terms of our response, uh, we, we are of the view that fair practice uh, does not have to be defined uh, because already, it's a language that is in the Copyright Act, and also um, it's a it's an in the Ben Convention, Article Ten on the quotations and illustrations for teaching. Um, it's a language that is uh, used in the copyright uh, legislation and, and and commonly used uh, in terms of the fairness uh, fairness principle. Um, so we think that um, we don't have to define it, and we also support the suggestion that the fair practice that is in 12D subsection 1 can be reconsidered uh, so that because it's already addressed in in section 12D subsection 8. So overall, um, there were not many uh, recommendations that we could look at to say this must change this or that in the except that uh, 12D8 uh, suggestion. Uh, next slide, please. So this was another major amendment on the layering of the restrictions. So there was a a proposal by the public to say that the factors that are in fair use, they should apply to the other exceptions because of that point I made about the exceptions are wide, they uh, have a potential for exploitation of the rights of the authors and the, and the copyright owners, then they need to be tightened. So there the were stakeholders, uh, experts who proposed that we include the factors to talk to the other exceptions. So there was that um, added provision, uh, 12, uh, 12A uh, D, and it was it is meant to be added in the other exceptions that they should be measured against it. Uh, it reads as follows: the exceptions authorized by this act in section sections 12B, C, D, B, uh, 19B, and C in respect of a work or the performance of that work are subject to the principle of fair use determined by the factors contemplated in paragraph B. So the fair use factors are, are already uh, there for the fair use provision. So they are saying that those factors then should then apply for, the, the, the intention was that they will then apply to the they will also they will also apply to the to the to the to the to the other exceptions. So for for example, the factors include the the nature of the work in question, the amount and substantiality of the part of the work affected by the act in relation to the whole of that work, um, and also looking at the purpose and character of the use um, and and some of the subsectors are sub 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 considerations around the the substantiveness of the use. So we can move to the next uh, slide, please. So this was a major concern that um, this will have serious unintended consequences. This will also uh, cause confusion even for the court in terms of interpretation of this uh, uh, addition to the exceptions. And then there were other stakeholders who were of the view that um, 
there should be every exception should be uh, assessed in its own right. And then others were saying already the subsections and the exceptions, they have got their own limitations. So there's no need to add another layer of assessment. So it will also cause uh, vagueness in copyright law and, and, and create confusion with the uh, jurisdiction uh, in terms of jurisprudence and interpretation of law. So, um, and, and more so the concern of access to education, access to research, access issues, uh, violation of rights and, and, and taking away the rights that were already provided for in the, in the legislation. So um, like on the next slide, we, we then uh, um, come with the, with the recommendation because we've noted the, the concerns that we, we, we were raised. Um, um, can move to the, to the previous one, Solo? Okay, so in terms of the uh, in terms of the way forward uh, on this one, we are saying that um, we recommend then as the DTIC that this provision um, be be removed. We are recommending that Section Twelve A D be removed as a standard for all the exceptions because of the concerns of the public and also because of the unintended consequences that have been highlighted. We have noted the, the public concerns, but also to highlight that this suggestion was made also by the public, uh, by other experts who felt that currently as the bill stands, it is too, um, it's too wide, especially the exceptions. Uh, it's more so the educational exceptions. Uh, so the way, so the, the balancing of the rights um, remains a very uh, difficult uh, balance to 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 keep. So we can move to the next uh, uh, slide. So on this one are the amendments related to the name of the author. There was a um, the, the 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 reason why there was an amendment around this. Um, um, there was a, the previously we um, we had um, the wording as far as it's practicable that was used in terms of the uh, the name of the author um, and uh, there was a view that we should use the current wording in the act uh, on the issues of the source and the name of the author and then uh, adding that that uh, where we there is that to say that. Uh, where the source is mentioned, as well as the name of the author, if it appears on the work. So the words were added to say, um, if the the source is mentioned and the word where the, uh, the name appears on the work, um, it, it should be considered. But also, um, then we and then the as far as practical, many stakeholders were concerned about as far as as is practicable. So they recommended that that should be removed. It should be dealt away with. So then. Um, the, the new wording was then considered if it appears on the work uh, in terms of the name of the of the author, hence all these subsections where it appears are highlighted on this slide. We can move to the next slide. So um, then there were comments made around um, this issue of the name of the of the author and that there is a misalignment. Um, um, there was a concern that um, the, um, 
Okay, first it was one of the in, in, issues was that it 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 has an an unjustifiable an unjustifiable limitation because we are talking about where it appears on the work. Uh, it may affect the, um, the 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 expropriation of authors' uh, moral right uh, to be recognized. And also, uh, there was a view that the extent that is practicable, uh, it has been deleted. So there was a view that maybe it should be reconsidered. For instance, in situations where you have like uh, 50 images appearing on your screen at, at the same time, what then do you? Uh, what is what is then? Uh, how does how is that then dealt with? Um, and 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 also um, there were other concerns about the fact that. The, the way the, the wedding is is not consistent um, with the other wedding in the uh, that talks about the same thing in the section 12 AC. Uh, so there was there were concerns about the misalignment also on the on the on the wedding around the name of the author. So we we then as part of the recommendation um, we we recommend that um, the the amended wedding. Uh, in t especially where there's an uh, inconsistency with 12AC, uh, there could be uh, clarification in 12C also when it, looking at if it appears on the work. Um, we, we initially, the, as far as practicable, it looked to work because not it's not all the time that you will know uh, who the author is. So it's possible that you, there may not be, it may not be possible to indicate the author because they, we don't know who the author is or it's not even there on the work. So hence there was that as far as practicable, but then the public did say it, it, it should, it's not desirable. Hence then the, the concern, the, the, the emphasis on the, the new wording that was used. So we think that um, there should be alignment considered and then uh, the advertised wording be, con be retained. Uh, maybe with that um, clarification and ensuring that there's that alignment. And we, we think that it's relevant because it's already also provided for in the act and many subsections in the bill uh, refers to the author and the name of the author. Uh, so because of the previous comments, as far as practicable was was then uh, removed from the from the from the bill. Um, next slide, please. And then on the three-step test, I'm not going to go into much detail. Um, there were considerations made because of the proposed uh, suggestions of the public that they should be uh, the strip test, the three-step test uh, applied in some of the uh, provisions uh, of the bill. Uh, in, say, for instance, in 12D subsection one, and also um, uh, 12C. There were stakeholders who said 12C. Um, on temporary productions should also um, look at, um, like in a similar way with the EU directive to incorporate the three-step test. So the public informed us to look at this and then we considered the, the three-step test in 12C and in 12D subsection one. Uh, uh, we can move to the next slide. And we can move from this one because this is where it was uh, in subsection two, that's where we incorporated uh, the, the three-step test and in D1 as well, uh, the way it was incorporated. So uh, there were stakeholders that were concerned about this. Uh, we can move to the next slide on the, on the actual comments. 
Um, um, many of the stakeholders were concerned about the, the way we used the wording in the three-step test to say, we did not use the exact words used in the three-step test. The, there was a wording that was added uh, or amended saying flowing from the copyright in that work. So many stakeholders were saying they did not understand why um, it was um, it was uh, the why this deviation, and then they also said uh, this would have implications uh, for non-consumptive users in terms of the application of the provision. So there was a concern about that to say it will have this implication of other users that were not uh, intended because of the not flowing from the work uh, added in that. But we also have the view that with treaty languages, um, a treaty can be, does not have to be used verbatim uh, the way that it is, but we understand the concern with alignment with the treaty languages, alignment with the treaty, with the treaties. And then also um, th there was a strong view that the three-step test is not meant to be incorporated in a law. It serves as a guideline. It serves as a principle to inform the law. Hence, it can be in a preamble of the bill, not necessarily as part of the provisions. Um, and others were saying, why apply it only to two subsections? It can apply to all the exceptions. And even others were saying it should be each and every subsection must talk to a three-step test, three test. So there were various views, but there was an overwhelming view that it could be included. The only issue was how, meaning uh, deviation from the core wording should not be, um, it should not be allowed. And then... Um, there were views that it should be deleted. All of them should be deleted from the bills. The three steps test uh, application should be deleted. So we can then move to the, the next slide um, on this matter. And, and yeah, so there were, there were, there were many concerns that it's, 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 it's part of the layering of the standards. Now you have this three-step test, and then there's that uh, section 12AD that I spoke to of the four factors applying to all the exceptions. And then uh, there's fair practice. So there was a concern of the layering of the, of the, of the standards and of measurements on, this, on these exceptions. So we can maybe pass from this page. Um, So I'll move to the uh, response by the other comment, comments made. Uh, there were also suggestions that um, focus should not be on the, um, they should on 12D1, for example, they should be extracts rather than full cost packs, uh, full books uh, being copied. And, but the other comments were not necessarily related directly to the advert, advertised uh, clauses. So our response is that, we recommend that with the public uh, concerns, overwhelming public concerns, that where we have the three-step test on 12C and D, uh, they be removed. Uh, we do uh, note the fact that uh, it is indicated that these are principles um, to guide the legislation, uh, but not to be uh, part of the legislation. Um, they can be used to interpret the legislation, but not to develop, not to be in the legislation itself. Um, but then, at the same breath, uh, other jurisdictions uh, we, um, uh, we we have noted the EU directive, uh, which was uh, adopted by their parliament, 
where they've used reference to this three-step test to their um, to to their exceptions. So um, the principle is noted, but uh, there has been some exceptions on the same principle. So just to highlight that, and then on the flowing from the copyright work in that work, we um, the point was was noted. Uh, although we are also of the view that um, the use of the treaty languages, uh, they don't always have to be verbatim, like word by word, as long as uh, it captures the the main essence of the treaty or of the of that uh, provision of that treaty or paragraph of that treaty. But the the fact that uh, we are saying we are not going to look at the we are recommending that this three-step test where they were added be excluded then um, it means then this uh, issues of the, the, the deviation from the core three-step test should not be taken into account. And there was also, I forgot to mention a point, many stakeholders were of the view, some of the, the issues of special cases, some of the provisions were not necessarily special cases, they were broad. So also adding to the concerns about adding the three-step test. So we can move from this uh, to look to the next uh, to the next slide. So it's 19C subsection four. Uh, on this one, um, we were of the view as from DTIC of the duplication. And yes, there was a, a, a comment made that um, we're, there is a duplication of commercial purposes in subsection five, uh, sorry, one and subsection four. And also uh, because of the unintended consequences and pos possible if implications of removing commercial purposes from um, um, from that from the provision and also looking at the issues of copying, meaning that there could be an issue with the implications for, for copies. We highlighted then the, but may not permit a user to make a copy or recording of the work for commercial purposes. So this was already in the bill. It was just highlighted because when you look at commercial purposes and then um, alone, uh, there is that challenge that it could actually mean something else. Uh, for example, copies are not allowed uh, only for if they're not for commercial purposes. So there was a confusion that uh, was seen from the proposal to just remove commercial. But then the highlighted text was highlighted because of the issue of the uh, lack of clarity on how this implicates, uh, affects the the copying uh, uh, and the un unintended consequences with uh, copies and libraries and others who uh, rely on these uh, on these copies. Can we please move to the uh, next one? So the the comments were mainly around the concern of the implication of 19C. Um, many stakeholders were of the view that we are we are we 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 are removing commercial, but commercial should be retained. Uh, others were concerned that um, with, uh, we, 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 we are proposing to remove a, a provision uh, that um, that one that was highlighted there. We're proposing to to to, to remove that uh, provision, and, um, uh, and 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 also that we are adding something that also complicates the the provision. So um, taking into account the the, the submissions. And the concerns around the commission, the, our proposal to remove commercial, and even the implications of that highlighted provision, we recommend that uh, we retain the provision as it is, 
um, although on its own, it, it, it had some challenges. It's one of the specific subsections the president raised reservations about. There are stakeholders who are of the view it is not even supposed to be on that list of exceptions because it does not necessarily address a particular right. One stakeholder even indicated that the right as it is, it's exploitative because other people are going to treat it as going to the movies or cinema where you can watch a particular, uh, say, a video or something, audiovisual um, uh, a work for uh, a whole work. So there were concerns with the application of that provision. But because of the potential implications it can have on um and also based on the concerns of the public, we we then undertook that um, the, it, it can be retained as as it is. The 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 way the the, the, the wedding that was uh, others assumed was added was already in the bill, and we are still of the view that it is a duplication. But removing commercial purposes might also affect that provision, given how it is drafted. So we recommend, uh, Chair, that we retain it uh, the commercial purposes. So, Chair, that was the uh, the main uh, proposed amendment. The next page is just to highlight only some of the issues we picked up that were uh, additional issues, not advertised, but because they some of them uh, they are repeated. Uh, some of them uh, we thought we should just flag, just to indicate that we did read through everything and we did look at every most of the comments that were made, especially that the ones that were repeated a bit more. So there was an issue around the language of the in the bill, and I know advocate will address that, and also that um, reference to government in all the provisions should talk to relevant government department, and that. Um, um, others were saying that the bill uh, should have allowed for more issues to be advertised. Uh, it should not have just been uh, the selected reservations, but it should al- it should have allowed for more. And also the issues of access to persons with disabilities. There were concerns around that uh, access issues that were raised by a few stakeholders. There were stakeholders who were concerned that there were no impact assessment done on the on the bills and also on certain specific provisions of the bill. For example, one stakeholder spoke about personal use exception and uh, private copy levy. And then um, some of the stakeholders thought that we went beyond what the president has um, reservations. Um, and, and there was a concern that there should be provisions for statutory damages that should be brought in, like in the US law. Uh, of copyright, just to look at uh, statutory damages uh, beyond the relief measures that are provided for in the current Copyright Act. Uh, so, Chair, I that was the last slide. I know I took very long. Uh, thank you very much to all the stakeholders who participated in this process. Thank you for all your insights and your wisdom uh, shared with the department and the uh, our parliamentary colleagues. Um, we, we, we heard your concerns and um, thank you very much for your, your participation in this process. And Chair, over to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dr. Masocha. Uh, it has been a marathon session. Thank you very much for your, your level of energy. Um, I want to propose now, members, that we take a 10-minute break. This has been a marathon uh, input of almost two hours. We'll take a 10-minute break, and then we come back to Advocate Van der Merwe's input.
So we'll adjourn for 10 minutes. Thank you.
observations in terms of section 79.1, the president referred the bill back. We have looked at the tagging, we've looked at retrospectivity, and we are now in a public participation process. And because we are in a participation process, a number of sections on this bill was opened up. There were concerns that we are going broader than the, the, the um, president's reservations, but that is unfortunately what the public participation process um, entails. It, it means that we need to listen to the public and, uh, and we need to look at other stuff um, that, that might not have specifically been mentioned in, in the president's letter. There were also some proposals um, in respect of redrafting the bill, but, but the committee is limited by the rules that govern this process. So redrafting is not, not a possibility. What the committee can do is if the committee is of the view that the bill is in fact so flawed that it cannot be, be um, rectified, the committee can reject the bill. So that is an option, but we cannot redraft. Then, Chair, just, just quickly to, to explain to members, because I know with, with previous um, submissions, when I, when I presented and advised the committee, uh, there was some discomfort that, that it seems that our office is favouring a certain position. And I just want to clarify to members that um, our office does not advise on policy matters. We only look at legal matters. So when we, when we advise the committee, we advise on what is in front of the committee. So although it might seem that our advice is only on one type of, of policy direction, that is simply because that is the policy direction before the committee. If the committee wants us to, to advise on a different policy direction, then we can do so, uh, but we, we need to be requested to do so. So I'm, I'm, even in this, in this presentation, you will see that I try and stay as clear as possible from, from policy, um, I might speak to some consequences of, of amendments just to highlight that for members, but in the end, that is that is a, a decision of the committee, and, and I cannot advise on that. There were some uh, concerns about the process. So if I can start there. The first one was, um, and actually it's, it's a very applicable bill, and it is something that Parliament as a whole will have to look at. Um, how the advert did not really reach people with, with disabilities. But I am aware that there was something done and uh, Mr. Hermans, the committee secretary, can also provide more information on that. I know that he worked very closely uh, with Blind SA to make sure that this document is in fact available in a format that is understandable uh, to, to persons with, with a disability, especially sight in this instance. Then there was also a concern that um, what was advertised was a document with colored text. It wasn't a C list, but a C list is a very formal document. It is not something that is just created on a whim. Um, so a committee will normally consult on amendments that are being proposed. Those amendments are often simply listed in an advert. Um, so there's no, normally we, we just say, this is kind of the concept that we want to amend. So what we try to do here, and, and members will recall that we even augmented the document to include all amendments um, in the end, even those who weren't advertised, in order for, for the public to be able to see the amendments in a bill format, 
So that is where the color text come from. And yes, it isn't in the in the correct format of a C list or a D bill. We do understand that, but this was more to go the extra mile a bit and help the public to understand where the wording will fit into the bill. Then um, drafting the bill in South African or UK English, um, I fully support that. But unfortunately, because we are amending a bill, we need to use the language and the spelling of the act that is already there. So if you're dealing with an amendment bill, you have to follow the style of the principal act, because if you don't, you start having interpretation issues. So for instance, authorized person, I kept on spelling it with an S because I'm more used to the South African English. And um, the problem that you have with that is that there might be instances where that could be interpreted as um, a word with a different meaning. So we need to unfortunately follow the, the United States English um, spelling that the act at the moment has. And that is why it has been drafted um, in American English. Furthermore, in respect of general concerns, there was a concern that when, when a bill is referred back, it should be in respect of all constitutional issues, but this is not correct. What happens is that once a bill is assented to, it goes to the president and the president might receive submissions or opinions from members of the public. The, the presidency might also ask their own legal advisors to look at the bill itself. And the presidency will then consider a number of issues. Only those issues that the presidency ends up saying this we have a problem with is what this committee may consider. So we cannot simply open the bill up and consider everything. Um, even if someone says, oh, but you need to consider A as well, even though A wasn't referred because I am saying A has constitutional concerns. We cannot do that at this stage. Unfortunately, this is a limited process. Then there were also some concerns about advertising that some of the amendments weren't advertised. Um, I will speak to these specific because you will see I will quickly explain the general principles, but you need to look at each instance and decide from the facts around that whether they should have been advertised again or not. Now, the principles that we have here is first off that we need to find a stage where government can pass legislation, make it um, an act that is operational. And if we are required to, to continue consultation processes, we will never reach that point. And the courts also understand that. It is necessary to take the public's comments into consideration. But if we don't have something that is material, that is so new, that we know the public hasn't considered this, then we don't have to go back to the public. So, for instance, um, in the South African Veterinary Association case, here, the, although there were other, other aspects around this case that, that if you want to you know, go into depth into this case also needs to be considered, I think what's just relevant here is that what happened was that the public indicated that veterinary surgeons should also be included in certain sections of, um, of the bill that was before the committee at that time. Committee considered it, agreed. So they included veterinary associations into the bill. However, what happened was that this was a new organization insofar as the bill was concerned. And therefore, the court said, no, but this was new. It was a concept that the public hasn't had a chance 
to consider before. So that is kind of the principles that we look at in respect of whether something should have been advertised again. So if I go to specific amendments, and what I'll try and do is I think the DTI kind of went um, thoroughly through what was proposed, what the public said. Um, I will maybe just mention something if it stands out and then also give my recommendation just in the interest of, of time. In respect of broadcast, the definition of broadcast, it was pointed out that there are a lot of developments going on, that wire is still being used. And it would be our recommendation that in respect of this definition, we either retain what is currently before the amendments that are proposed. In other words, currently in the performance protection, currently in the copyright, or we take the proposed amendments, align the two, the two bills, performance protection and copyright, which is what the proposed advert was, and then we retain wire. Um, because the, there's too much uncertainty about the development of a new, of a new definition. So that would be our, our recommendation in respect of broadcast, and I think the department agreed with that as well. In respect of the new sections, 11A and 11B, there were some concerns about whether we're using the right, the correct rights. I think the DJI touched on that quite well to say that there is um, a merit in having uh, two separate uh, rights being indicated. The issue of original was also touched on, but what I would like to just add to what the DJI has said is that um, original, and I know, we all know that when it comes to copyright, original has a very specific meaning for us because it speaks to whether a work can be used, is it is it original? Because that is what, what gives you the right. But original isn't defined in the act. So it means that we use the dictionary definition. And if you use the dictionary de definition, you need to look at context. So if we talk here about original work, then it has a specific meaning. And you must simply look at the context, where it is in the act to understand what the meaning is. So my, my view is, and my recommendation is, that the use of the word original um, in, in sections 11A and 11B is not a problem. Um, then in respect of um, the distribution, um, and, and I think this, this uh, speaks again to, to the, the comments made by the Anton, Anton Mostert chair about um, how, you know, works, um, there's this, this umbrella right and, and the rights are not understood correctly. And I think that the GTI really explained correctly here um, or, or, or extensively here why the rights in 11A and B are set out as they are. And then I can also just confirm that these rights are simply copying the wording that is already in the bill. So if we have a change here to 11, we'll have to also go and change it at, at clauses uh, 4, 6, 8 and 10. So um, I would recommend that, that um, as DTI explained, the, the way that they've worded it, they do have the necessary uh, foundation for separating these rights and wording them in the way that they are wording them. In respect of the deletion of the duplications, um, yeah, the idea was to streamline the act, but there was um, a lot of concern raised about this um, to say, but if you do this, you're actually taking away explanations. You are taking away certainty. Now, there was a view that this would have had to be advertised, but this is not, this is not the case. Everyone had a chance to comment on Section 12A, to comment on all of the, the, the paragraphs there. And it is from those comments that were saying, but it is duplicated. So it is not even that we change the concept 
It was simply to remove a duplication. So there was no need to advertise this. Um, furthermore, additions and so on, the word such as is, is sufficient. It means that it is something that can be extended. Uh, you don't, it's not a closed list. You can read into it based on the examples that are given. So because of this, and because um, to say that, you know, these duplications actually do not cause the harm that we thought it might cause. Um, they are very useful. Our recommendation would be that these uh, paragraphs rather not be deleted, but be retained in the bill. In respect of clause 13, and this is now the big where we have specific exceptions. So I'm not going to go into the, to the specific wording. This has been discussed by the DTI already. There was a concern, first off, that um, the, the issue of the, the um, to the extent that it is practicable should be restored. There are some concerns about can it always be done? What the committee needs to consider here is um, it is a valid question. Can, can this all always be done? Because we need to keep in mind that if there is a requirement in legislation, not complying with that legislation means that you're opening yourself up to either a claim or an offence, depending on what, what the Act says. So we need to be um, cognizant of that, um, that implication. If it is not practical to do so, um, do you have a defence? If the Act says you must do so anyway, um, so it is perhaps something to, to consider. And um, yeah, so we, uh, it's, it's, this is not, it's not a legal issue, it's more implement, implementation issue, uh, possible consequences issue. So our recommendation is just that the committee considers what could be the consequences if we don't have um, this proviso that it must be, you know, if it's not necessary if it's, if it's practically not possible to do so. Um, and then the, the committee to, to take a decision in, in that regard. There was a lot of concern about the layering of exceptions. Um, the first one started in 12A paragraph D, um, and it also went on adding the three-step test and, and a number of, of other things. And I actually went through a, a whole um, exercise where, where, I, where I compared all of these to understand what it is, what, why are people saying that we are making it more difficult? So I will speak to that now, but if I can start on, on paragraph 2D, um, there was a concern that by adding this now, you are making it almost impossible for certain of your exceptions to be exceptions, because, um, because you have a general exception in 12A. So in other words, 12A applies where the, the act or the bill at the moment, but once it's enacted, does not provide for something specific. So I just remember that we have a hybrid system. So we've got fair use, but we also have specific exceptions. Now it is possible that your specific exceptions may not comply with all the requirements of fair use. That is, what, that is why we are specifically listing them. So if you now put them subject to fair use, you might actually be nullifying that specific exception. So our um, recommendation is, in fact, that 12D be removed. Um, the slide that's currently up just shows the exercise that I went through. And I looked at the at fair use, fair practice, and the three-step test. 
And I found that the questions that we're asking are very similar. Um, so in fact, it, it seems that we are simply duplicating the same question over and over again. There might be a slight tweak in how you ask the question, which might then also uh, cause uncertainty in the law, because now you don't know if I'm doing this, if I'm if I'm making a copy, if I'm using a work, um, exactly what question should I be asking for myself? So it does, this layering of exceptions, in my view, does make it more difficult to apply the law and it does cause legal uncertainty. So um, the recommendation that, that from our size would be that we do not layer um, exceptions. We, we have fair use as an exception. That was the decision of, of the committee. But we have a hybrid system. So we have specific exceptions. These specific exceptions list their requirements expressly. And then, so the three-step test that was added, we do not recommend that that be included. Um, in any event, there is no need to include specific treaty wording. It is the intention that must be applied. And our office has advised this committee before we are of the view that the act, uh, sorry, the, the, the amendment bill does in fact comply with the three-step test. So we also recommend the deletion of paragraph D, which made fair use almost a, 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 an umbrella over all the exceptions. We recommend that be deleted so that you have fair use on the one hand and specific exceptions on the other, um, so that you have this hybrid system. And then I will also in the next slide speak to the issue of fair practice and the extent justified by the purpose. So the what we have here is that initially, um, the comments that came in was that, well, compatible with fair practice and the extent justified by the purpose, you almost have the same uh, criteria here. And fair practice is perhaps a better wording to use. So um, now, first of all, just to speak to the, the requirement to advertise this. Um, no, this is really not necessary to, to have advertised uh, this change. The, the, the principle was to remove duplication and to, 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 to streamline. Um, so there's, there's, there was no need to advertise. However, we did consider whatever the, the, the public made uh, inputs on this. So we, we had a look at the meaning because we understood it to be more or less the same. We couldn't find any judgments that really could assist us um, in, in what the meaning is, what would be the difference between fair practice and extent justified by the purpose. And what we could find um, is that fair practice requires a consideration of whether you are consistent with the trade norms in which you are, are operating. And you use your um, 12A fair, fair use factors, you look at proportionality, and if you then look at the extent justified by the purpose, that is exactly the same. However, we look at burn, and it seems that both of these are actually used in burn, but only in respect of, of quotations. So, there was also an argument that the extent justified by the purpose is a lot clearer because you don't have to be concerned about, you know, are, are the trade practices, what are these trade practices? They might not be uh, written down, etc. Whereas when you look at what the purpose is, what it, what is it that you're trying to do? I am giving education. I am training a class. Did I go broader than what I am trying to do here? It becomes a more... Um, a, a more maybe perhaps an easier question to answer. 
becomes uh, sort of a factual uh, test. So our recommendation is that the intention was to align the bill with the treaties. Um, although they seem to be similar, it seems that there's a view that they are perhaps not as similar as we thought. And we thought then our recommendation would be that the committee follows the example of the treaty. And that would be to include both terms, both um, the fair practice and the extent justified by the purpose in respect of quotations and respect of education. But that extent justified by the purpose is retained for all the other um, areas where we've changed this. So I'm not going to, to list them specifically. They are on the slide, the, the affected paragraphs. Um, the recommendation mainly is both terms in respect of quotations and education and only extent justified by the purpose everywhere else. Then when it comes to um, adding the three-step test, and I'm, I've already spoken to this a bit, so I'll go fast um, over this. Um, and there was a concern about, um, we, we added, we, we changed the wording a bit to say that it must be, uh, the, the rights must be flowing from copyright. And there was a, cons a concern that this excludes non-consumptive um, uses. Um, but we, we disagree with this. If, if non-consumptive is, is already restricted, then, then it's automatically included. The reason for talking about flowing from the copyright is that if we say uh, where it would affect legitimate interests, that could also be trade interests, which must, might be much broader than copyright interests. In other words, rights that flows from the, the copyright owner's right of copyright in that work. Um, legitimate interest might be the right to make a profit. Um, it might be, um, you know, there, there might be much other legitimate interests that are not copyright in nature. And that is why we suggested to add flowing from copyright in that work. However, um, our recommendation here, and I've already spoken about the, the concern of the layering of the test, so I won't go into that again. I've showed you, it seems like we're asking the same thing. If it, it causes vagueness in the law, then this way there's more than one test that you will have to apply with. And the fact that we don't have to repeat the exact wording of a treaty in our legislation. Um, our recommendation is that we do not include the treaty wording in um, sections 12C and 12D. Um, there was, there was a, 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 a comment from the public to say that um, three-step, the inclusion of the three-step test guards against the ravishes of fair use. Now, if, if that is the concern of the committee, if that is why we're including the three-step test, then it would be better to look at whether fair use is the correct policy. So uh, we, we can't, as um, our recommendation would not be to, to have one policy in the bill. And then um, because we are now concerned about this policy, we bring in so many other factors that we're actually nullifying this policy. Then we rather should look at the policy. Um, and, and, and start being from, from scratch, if that is the concern. But um, we accept that the decision of the committee was to use the fair use policy because of its various uh, benefits. And um, in respect of the three-step test, we're of the view the bill complies with the three-step test, and it is not necessary to expressly 
provide for that test. The ephemeral exception, I'm also not going to go into, into much detail. I think the GTI expressed um, a lot of, of information on this. The biggest concern was that there's unforeseen consequences. You cannot just take the, a, an act from another country and transplant it into your own law without um, some very deep and serious thinking and considering what the impact would be. And it seems just that there were just too many unintended consequences with this um, inclusion. So our recommendation would be that at this point in time, the Canadian Act's wording is probably not ideal for South Africa. Um, not saying that it is never going to be ideal, but it is probably something that um, where our recommendation would be that the wording of the bill before we propose the amendment um, is rather retained. And then the DTI can perhaps come back to, to, to Parliament with a new policy where they've done their, their impact assessments, they've done consultations, uh, they've reworked it, and rather introduce um, an amendment uh, to the Act in, in respect of these. Um, and I'm saying ephemeral rights. I understand there was a concern about using it, but just I think we, we've been using it and we know what we're referring to when we're saying that term. Um, so on that aspect, we would recommend that the committee rather revert back to the bill as it was and that the DTI can come when a, when a policy has been developed on this and the wording for a bill has been, has been finalised as something that fits into the South African law. Um, in respect of um, the translation of a work done for non-commercial purposes, for the furtherance of language and culture, actually this, is, this was the, the whole issue, and there was a concern that this should have been advertised. And um, our, our recommendation is that no, in fact not. Yes, it, it is borderline. Yes, it is borderline. But what we are dealing with here is we're looking at translation as a concept. The public has had um, opportunities in the fifth parliament to, to comment on translation as an exception. They've had opportunities in this committee to comment on translation as an exception. One of the proposals was to broaden it a little bit further, to align it with our constitution. And that is something that is not a new concept. It simply speaks to the exceptional translation and what it should be and how far it should go. So in our view, this did not have to be advertised and um, we're of the view it can simply be, be retained and proceeded with. In respect of lawfully acquired, um, I'm also not going to go too much into detail here. I think the department spoke to this um, in depth, uh, the, the, the wording, the concerns that were raised and so on. Perhaps what I uh, specifically will just um, speak to are a few things that maybe wasn't touched on. Um, what we did was because of the, the deletion in 12A of certain of those paragraphs, we simply moved wording that wasn't, in our view, duplicated in 12B, 12C, and so on, um, into those sections to make sure we don't miss something. So the concern about devices owned by a natural person to be advertised uh, wasn't necessary. It wasn't a new concept. It was simply moved from one section to another. If our recommendation is taken that we don't remove those paragraphs, then this will fall away here in any event. There were concerns about um, retrogression. Um, and what this is that 
any any retrogressive measure when it comes to economic, social, and cultural rights, it is not that it is ousted. It is not that we're not allowed to make those amendments, but it needs to be carefully considered. So that is the requirement. You need to carefully consider it. And our recommendation would be that in respect of lawfully acquired, the committee carefully considers the rights that might be affected, the balancing of constitutional rights. Um, so especially access to knowledge, education, research, your, your library services, all of these speaks to specific um, rights in our constitution. <clears throat> and whether this should be retained is, is, not a, is not a legal question as such. Um, and like I say, the, the principle of retrogression doesn't mean that you can't amend. It means we need to carefully consider. And when we look at the impact on possible Chapter 2 rights, we would caution against the inclusion of this definition, and we would agree with the department's proposal that it rather be removed. Um, I think the rest actually speaks just to, to what I have already um, said now. Um, there's also a requirement that it shouldn't be an infringing copy that you're making a copy of, but I think that speaks for itself. I think the intention of the Copyright Act is quite clear, um, and you can't, you, you can't try and justify something that you've done if you've already got an infringing copy. Um, you're already starting off on, on a negative. Um, so I don't think that, that you need to go that far in legislation. Um, so our recommendation is that w if we look at this definition, it is definitely placing a limitation on courts. And courts need to have some leeway when they look at legislation in order to interpret it. Because the facts before a court would be different in each case. So they need to be, have guidance in what is the intention of the legislature, absolutely. But there needs to also be some leeway to apply to the facts before them. And um, we would recommend that the definition of lawfully acquired rather be removed. Um, it, it, it definitely um, stops this discretion that the courts, in our view, should have. It affects, um, the, possibly affects constitutional rights. But if the committee feels that lawfulness should be retained, then we would recommend that we exclude the definition to give that discretion to courts and that we, as was proposed, change it rather to lawfully accessed and um, then perhaps also look at the extent justified by the purpose as I've spoken to before. There was a concern that a correction of a layout error should have been um, um, advertised, but this is really a technical um, correction. It, it was something that anyone who reads the act can see that it is not correctly worded. Um, and technical amendments really do not have to be advertised. Then section 19C4. Now, the concern here was, the, the proposal was that because commercial purposes here is repeated um, from subsection one, we should, we should remove that. But because we only removed the wording for commercial purposes, it changed the whole meaning of the subsection. Whereas before, you could make copies as long as it was for non-commercial purposes. This is now excluded. So the concern is that by only deleting for commercial purposes, you're actually taking away um, 
this ability to make copies, which would seriously affect the works of uh, the working, the day-to-day -day working of libraries, archives, museums, and galleries. So, um, okay, these just further talk to to, to these concerns. Um, we would recommend that either we retain for commercial purposes, even though it is a duplication, or that the whole phrase, but may not permit a user to make a copy or recording of the work for commercial purposes, be removed. So in other words, not just for commercial purposes, but that but may not permit a user. All of that be removed, because what you will be, be ending up with then is if you remove that whole phrase, you remove the duplication, and you still allow the making of copies for non-commercial purposes subject to subsection 1. Section 19D deals with uh, people with a disability. Um, a number of these things DTI already spoke to, so I, I won't um, rehash them. Uh, They're the one of its primary activities. Um, I think DTI's proposal there was that it should be remained. It should be it should have some some um, uh, flexibility here, um, adding what could, should be expected of an authorized entity. Um, it's a policy decision again. Um, when it comes to to the definition itself, paragraph B here. To say that this is not really an authorized entity, well, that is exactly what definitions are for. We do not define in legislation definitions that accord with the dictionary. We define in legislation definitions that don't accord with the dictionary. In other words, where we expand or we restrict the, the meaning of the word um, to make it clear that it expands or it is restricted. In this case, we are expanding on it. So it is in order. We can, in fact, include paragraph B. There was some concern about, um, you know, the use of government. It is vague. So we have a, a proposal. We can either use already recognized bodies. We can use as prescribed and simply make provision for um, that. In fact, there is already a proposed amendment in respect of regulations to provide for, for authorized um, uh, entities. And... Um, yeah, there's also, like I said, to define government institution or non-profit organization. Well, these are already dictionary definitions. We all know what they mean. We're not going broader or, or restricting these terms. We do not have to define them. Um, furthermore, in respect of, um, when we go to the actual clause now, 19D, um, we, we thought that we can delete as may be prescribed because we have it in regulations. What we didn't think of was that if you do that, you are taking out a whole section of people. Um, it could be other. It doesn't have to be an authorized entity. It could be someone else, totally different, that may be prescribed in regulation. So definitely that was a mistake. Uh, it was not a correct recommendation to make to the committee. Our recommendation would be that it, that it rather be retained. Um, there was also the, the, um, the counter to say, no, that is, that is in fact correct. But that is a policy decision. If you only want authorized entities or maybe another group as well, that's a policy decision. And if I understood the presentation from the department correctly, they agree that we need to have this flexibility that you can expand on this um, in regulations. In respect, again, um, this is the, the, the area where the treaty wording was a bit problematic for, for me from a drafting aspect. So what we have... The treaty says 
that you may import and export, but you must not, before you import or export, uh, know or have reasonable grounds to know that this would be used by someone else for something other than um, people with disability. And um, there was also concern that this is outside of, of what the president referred, but of course it was about the treaty concerns, and that is why the amendment was in fact something that could be made. So because of these concerns, what the problem was is that the treaty language speaks to a defense. In other words, I have now imported something. Someone used this accessible format copy for, for to have a private session where they, they, they charged money uh, and people came in and, and watched a movie. Um, now I'm in trouble because this was not used for people with, with a disability. Now I can say, whoa, at the time when I imported, I did not know, and there was no reason for me to know that this person would, would, would be doing so. But we're talking about a defense. So when it comes to in treaty language, that is fine, because treaty language is, is very different from legislation. So while I understand the concern with the wording that was advertised, um, I actually pulled my whole drafting team in on this and we brainstormed possible wording. And we came up with, with, with another proposal to say that you may not import or export an accessible format copy if you know of reasonable grounds to believe that it will be used for someone else. So it doesn't place an obligation on anyone um, because people were worried that there was this obligation that you, that you must go and see who, who else might use this. So my team felt comfortable with this not placing that obligation, this proposed wording, not posing, uh, propose, uh, imposing that obligation. If there's still discomfort, what we could do is we could add, use this, this changed wording and add something about a defense. So, so that those, those are possibilities. Um, the same on, on 4B, that the concern here was that um, if you say it must be exclusively for persons with a disability, what about the organization that is arranging the event that will be showing this, this, this film or will be making this book available, etc.? So um, the proposal was there to, to add to aid persons with a disability um, or rather just to delete this, uh, this paragraph as it already um, is repeating an implied requirement. Uh, and I think the DTI agreed with, with perhaps rather deleting it, which solves the, the whole issue then. Technological protection measures. Now here, the DTI is of the view that, that as it was advertised, should be retained because of the protection that is required um, on technological protection measures. And what I just want to point out to, to a committee, uh, first off, there was a concern that it goes broader but, but it doesn't, it, it deals with the treaties and the committee has decided that they want to make sure that the bill complies with the treaties. And, and, and that is where we, where we have this. Um, concerns that were raised, the, the, the one that specifically worries me in, and uh, there's no legal or constitutional um, issue here that I, that I can specifically point out, but I would like to make this clear to the committee so that when you make a decision on this, you take cognizance of, of this concern that was raised. The, the proposal for how it reads now, how, how the, the amendment was advertised, 
it, it seems to be based on a US regime that is defined in, in section 1201 of the 1998 Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Now, the US has found that this wording is giving them headaches. And the reason for that is that it compromises three freedoms. The first one is to use the product as you want it to. So in other words, if you need to change something on the product in order to use it on your laptop, rather a CD player, you will not be allowed to do so because you will be um, affecting a technological protection measure. If you want to buy accessories, consumable services and repairs, you may not be allowed to do so. Um, for instance, I know in our consumer protection, we have already now brought in where a car's guarantee normally meant that you have to take it back to the dealer. That has now been changed already. You can take it to certain qualified uh, persons to, to repair and you will not affect your guarantee. But this might affect that principle. So it might stop you from going to another, another company that might be a little bit cheaper, um, maybe using um, a part that, that is a no-name brand, if I can call it like that. Um, and then also the freedom of auditors to uncover and publicize defects in, in products because a disclosure could, could jeopardize your, your technological protection measure. Now, these, these concerns for me are, are quite important to consider. And while I understand that um, we are dealing here with a very crucial part in our economy, because on the one hand, persons will say, but if I can't protect my technological protection measure, um, you, are, you might be able to actually duplicate my whole, my whole technology, whatever this is that, 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 that is being protected. And that would affect my business. Um, but on the other hand, you've got a user, and, and while we understand that protection is required, you also have a user on the other hand who says, but I'm a farmer, I've got a tractor, um, I need to be able to tinker with my own tractor if it doesn't want to start. I don't want to have to tow it into town to take it to a specific um, dealership in order for them to deal with it, because I'm not allowed to, to look at the, this technological protection measure. So, so those are just the things to keep in mind. Um, so some of the comments that were made is that these changes that are proposed is in fact not necessary to comply with the treaties. So it is something that the committee could consider to say that we will rather go back to the wording as it was before we now amended it because that wording still complied with the treaties. It is not necessary to make it um, more um, stringent in order to comply with the treaties. The more stringent would be for different reasons. So um, that would be, be just all of that. Then of course, there's the other side that says, but it's still not restrictive enough. Um, we need to have, uh, you, you need to also not refer to technolo technologies that prevent or restrict infringement. You should refer to technologies designed to have that effect um, because it could still be abuse. There was also concern about a license to hack, so to speak, um, and that this is an invasion of property and therefore unconstitutional, but this is not correct. We need to keep in mind that the right to property 
in our constitution is not an absolute right, not in section 25 and not if we take into account section 36, which allows limitations. Section 25 says that you may not arbitrarily be deprived of your property. So in other words, arbitrarily normally means um, without forethought, there's no real justification for it. It might just apply to one person. There's a number of things, things that apply there. So just on that comment, just to say that it's in my view that there is no constitutional concerns here um, when we look at the, the technological protection measure and how it was worded or how it is worded now. Our recommendation on this would be that the committee rather retain the original wording of the bill on both the definition of technological protection measure and technological protection measure circumvention device. However, we can add product and we can add service as was proposed before. In respect of offenses, um, so with, with offenses, there was one concern that um, we are lowering the, and I apologize for all these Latin terms that comes in here. I think it was probably a lawyer who made these, um, uh, yes, in fact, it was the recreate opinion. So it was a lawyer who made, made these comments. So it is a lowering of the mens rea, which is an intention. That's what mens rea means, intention. To know or has reason to know, which is negligence. Um, and, and it should be advertised so, because there's a difference in this. But that is not correct. That, that, that is not, that is not this, what is happening here at all. The, these, these were consequential amendments um, because of Section 27, which is offences. So um, I, I, he was referring to Sections 28.0, 28B, 28S. But those didn't have to be advertised because we advertised the offence. We advertised the crux of the amendment. These were simply consequential amendments. If the crux of the offence changes, these amendments will change as well. So it wasn't necessary to, to um, advertise that. And then just on a, on a legal point, I also don't agree with the one being subjective standard and the other one being an objective standard. Both of these phrases, whether it's intention, whether it is reasonable. Advocate. Sorry, yes, Chair. Advocate, you are breaking. Advocate, yeah, just uh, switch off your video. Yes, I'm going to do that. I hope that that will be better. Um, so, so I'm just saying that both of these tests are are, are the same. They, they they definitely play two sides of the same coin. Um, so there's there's really no no issue there. There was a proposal for uh, digital rights to be uh, to also be be included, but this would be a policy um, decision. Okay, there we are. Then, in respect of the the offences themselves. There was a, a concern that we can't just say on behalf of the owner, um, because because you might be be um, limiting someone who is not the owner but is working on behalf of the owner. So we recommend there a little bit of a change to the lead of the owner and just say necessary authority, so that we we understand that there must be authority, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the owner. Removing for commercial purposes. Now, the DTI was, was proposing that it be removed, but if we can just point out to, to the committee, just to keep in mind that if we remove for commercial purposes, this is a clause that deals with offences. In other words, you can go to jail for this. You can have to pay a fine for this. Um, 
and it's it's possible that we, we might say yes we feel that this is important enough that we in fact want this to be an offense and then that is in order but the committee needs to just understand what the consequence is of making this an offense if we remove for commercial purposes because um it might be that there is a solution to rather deal with um, non-commercial users rather as copyright infringement which becomes a civil matter rather than a criminal matter but it is a policy decision the of course if we remove commercial purposes the next point falls away but if we don't there is a a, a proposal that we rather use for purposes of trade that is possible but then i would uh, also recommend that wherever in the sections we use commercial purposes we then also go back and just make the 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 change there so that we use the same phrase throughout the the bill um, the next point from Anton Mostert was just about these umbrella rights versus separate rights. DTI did address that. That there should be uh, an element that you knew that what you were doing was, was dealing with infringement copies. We would recommend that this be included because it adds to that element of intent, which is, which is really crucial when it comes to, to offenses. Um, and that, that, that we also um, just just make certain changes so that, so that they are consistent throughout the offences. We definitely agree with that. Um, there was also a numbering um, comment. We agree. There was just a typing error there. Um, 5B, I'll go straight to the, to the concerns. Um, there was a, a concern that, that we, you do not require criminalization of circumvention. The, the treaties do not require that. And they definitely do not require an offence for a negligence, as for, for an act that was done negligently, in other words. Um, so it is a policy decision, but um, we must also just, just point out that if, if the amendment was to bring this in line with the treaties and it is not required, then it is something that, that could be discarded. An offence is, is something that's really serious and should be carefully considered. Um, <clears throat> The inclusion of negligence, um, we, it is something, like I say, an offence is something that's serious. And we need to keep in mind that someone who does something negligently, um, you know, there, there's no, negligence excludes intention. There's many forms of intention. Um, and, and with certain trials that were so big in the media really recently, we, uh, or in the past few years, rather, we all came across uh, the dollars eventualysis and all of these Latin terms that, is, that are used in, with respect to intent. But if you foresaw something, you knew it as possible, and you did it anyway, that's not negligence. Even, even if you didn't intend the consequence, you, 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 you said, it's fine, I accept the consequence. That's the same as intent. It is regarded as intent in the law. So negligence is where the reasonable person would have thought, hmm, this, this might happen, um, but you didn't. You, in yourself, you didn't, you didn't think that it could happen, and then you would still be liable. So when it comes to an offence, we need to just be very cautious and just think about this. Um, criminal offences are definitely something to be, to be, I mean, they have a purpose. They absolutely serve a purpose, and we must just be perhaps a bit cautious here. Um, perhaps um, we should only retain intent because this is an offence. If the committee accepts that, we can then change um, the reason to know in the sections 28 OP and S because the public was a lot more comfortable 
with a reason to know rather than the normal wording that we use for, for offences when it comes to negligence. There was also a requirement that, um, that you shouldn't even have knowledge. If the fact that you are infringing on circumvention, whether you know that you are doing it or not, should be an offence. Um, our view is that um, this strict liability would definitely affect the rights of an accused person, um, or it's very likely, let me not be the constitutional court here and make decisions for them, um, but in my view, it will. it is very likely to affect the rights of an accused person and very likely uh, to be unconstitutional if we include strict liability. The last um, offence clause was also just about paragraphs. We will definitely correct that. Um, the, the umbrella rights, DTI already spoke to that. And then there was also the aspect of um, the fact that they must know that it was infringing copyright, bringing that intent in, and, and we would definitely recommend that inclusion. To that is the end of my presentation. Thank you very much for, for listening to me. Um, I really appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, committee. There's the two presentations from the department and from the and from the ad, uh, the Parliament Legal Advisor. I see Honourable McPherson has raised his hand on the chat, and then Honourable Mbiani. Chair, uh, I think. Uh, uh, with respect, I think it was actually Mr. Mbiani who raised his hand okay. first. I'll, I'll allow him to go, and then I'll go after. Okay. Honorable Mbiani. No, thank you very much, uh, uh, Chairperson, for the opportunity. Uh, let's first welcome these two comprehensive presentations. Uh, as you know, uh, Chair, that uh, the committee had initially called for submission and response uh, for the presidential reservation. And also the purpose of today's meeting was just to receive the, the response from DTIC and the advocate. And uh, let me uh, say we are well received in relation to the last call. And it's also noted that we are guided by the John rules, as you said, on the initial meeting, when we start this meeting. Uh, we, we therefore chair propose that uh, uh, we received this informative presentation for consultation with our constituencies and also our caucuses. Because uh, we really need to engage on this robustly because you can hear even the presentation took us some time uh, from both sides. My request was that we received uh, this uh, presentation both of them. We go and engage as parties, uh, macrocasses, and our constituencies. Then we will come back uh, and discuss it because now really we cannot be able uh, to engage and discuss on this uh, comprehensive presentation. That will be my proposal, Chairperson. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. May I also take this opportunity as I hand over to Honorable McPherson to apologize to all the stakeholders on the platform and South Africa at large that we are that we miscalculated um, the amount of time that would be needed for each uh, presentation. Hence, we have run over time. Uh, Honorable McPherson. Uh, thanks, Chair. Well, I think that it actually running over time actually speaks to the, the, uh, the uh, uh, 
incredible complexities that this bill presents before us. Uh, you know, we had a historical timeline um, and, uh, you know, how far this goes back. And, and some of us have been, it feels like it's uh, something that's been around for most of our parliamentary careers, which I think maybe for Mr. Mbayani and myself, it certainly has been. Um, Chair, let me say that um, I think that uh, there's a lot to digest. Um, I think Mr. Mbayani is correct in his assessment that it is extensive. Uh, there's a lot to, to go through. But I think I'd also just like to put on the table that I think that Advocate Fanamurva has also given us a lot to think about that uh, and options available to the committee that have previously not uh, been considered available to the committee. Uh, and I think that it would be incumbent on us to consider some of those seriously um, and, uh, and, and to try and find uh, a path forward. Because if there's one thing that I'm convinced is that, you know, we as a committee need to give surety as to, you know, where this bill is headed to um, and, and, and what the light, the proverbial light is at the end of the tunnel. Because as I said in my opening remarks, that this has been with us for a very long time. So I think that there's a lot to be thought about. I think uh, uh, that there's some new opportunities that have been presented to the committee, uh, which uh, probably need to have debates uh, within themselves, maybe as the committee. Uh, and, uh, and, and certainly, uh, I think that uh, the, the correct decision is to, uh, is to discuss this with our party, uh, potentially discuss this amongst ourselves, uh, and, and, and try and find some consensus now uh, on the way forward. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honourable McPherson. Honourable Tarku. No, thank you very much, Chair. Um, and yeah, thank you for the presentation from the two people um, who have actually presented. You know, Chair, I would, uh, yeah, this is a, <clears throat> it was a very long one. I would like to actually, um, from the secretary, make yourself just to, since I've actually uh, joined at this point in time, just recently joined to get maybe uh, more, 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 more information, more uh, policy positions that were actually included, um, uh, that were actually you know uh, proposed on this bill, uh, and all of that, um, because I think it has it's actually a very important piece of legislation, um, and also there's a huge interest. I think in my uh, in my inbox, there's a lot of. Uh, creators, uh, creative, uh, uh, you know, the, the practitioners and performers who have actually shown an interest on this. But uh, there are just maybe one or two questions because I don't want to really take too much of your time. Maybe some of these questions I might probably maybe send them to yourself. Maybe they can send them to the advocate there or to send them to, you know, to the department as well. Maybe I can get a return you know, their response, because there are about nine of them, of those questions. I think one of the, one of the problems or some of the things that the, uh, our people, the, you know, the, the creators and the creative industry and performers are concerned about is that 
they've got content that was that is sitting with many recording companies. I'm gonna make, for example, with the artists. And they I don't know if this bill actually takes into account that that material, that original material created by them, uh, you know, and contracts were signed back in that time. Um, what is going to happen with that? Will this bill really address that? In other words, expropriation of their material back to the original owners, you know. So they would want to 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 actually um, you know to to really look in, into that as well. I think. Sorry, let me switch on my my, my camera. Uh, but, uh, as you switch on your camera on a, as you switch on your camera on a book you mentioned okay, that yeah, you have nine points, but. I just yeah. wanted to appeal to you if you, we have had a proposal from Honorable Mbuyani so that when we come back, we come back with all the inputs from our various caucuses. Okay, okay, ma'am. And go, and go, go, that that's fine. My light is about to go off. Oh, okay, so, my chair. Um, okay, my chair. I appreciate it. Okay. Now I'll, I'll, I'll put them in. Let us probably okay. have a deeper session because also in a chair, I wanted to request them from the secretary just to give me lots of data, a lot of literature, so that we can do a wide range, you know, the consultation, uh, uh, you know, um, because we're putting in a position paper so that we can uh, enrich this document. So I agree. Okay. Let, us, let us have another session. Thank you very much. Okay. No, that's fine. And I'm sure the committee secretariat is noting the request from the new member, Newish, member to our uh, <laughs> portfolio committee. Sure. Um, um, Honorable Three? Yeah, no, thank you, Chair. I think I'm in agreement with my uh, colleagues who have spoken uh, previously. Uh, it's been a comprehensive uh, presentation, okay. two presentations, and we welcome also the presentations that have been made. Um, I think that all political parties are being caucused by various interest groups, uh, and so with the presentations made, I think that it is incumbent on us to uh, go back to our caucuses so that when we do come back, we come back with a, a comprehensive uh, party uh, party position. Um, so with those few words, Chair, uh, thank you to, to those who also made the presentations. Thank you very much. It seems then we have our way forward. Uh, that's Honorable Thring. Thank you very much for that input. So I think what we will then just ask the committee secretary to do is to advise us when we're meeting again, and particularly when we are meeting again to discuss these limited bills so that parties prepare themselves for that date. Honorable, uh, sorry, um, Ms. Termans. to the next meeting for the committee is next Tuesday, we will meet on to deal with the, receive a briefing on the sugar master plan. And the next meeting dealing with remitted bills is scheduled for Wednesday, the um, um, 11th of May, um, starting at nine o'clock. So that's the next meeting when we deal with the remitted bills chair has been scheduled. Chair, also for the purpose of minutes, um, there was a proposal made by Mr. Mbiani and Mr. McPherson also spoke in, 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 in favour of that proposal. So will we be correct to say that he second that proposal so that we can have a formalised process regarding that check? Honourable McPherson, can we take that as a seconder? 
Yes, you can. Thank you, Chair. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Emmons. Anything else? Not from our side, no, Chair. We will we'll, we'll then have been discussion with you around other matters, Chair. Thanks. And if you can then, just before Wednesday, I think on Monday for the latest, ensure that uh, Honourable Swaku gets all the um, the documentation that he has requested. We, we will surely do that, Chair. No problem. Thank you very much. That concludes our deliberations for today. Thank you very much to members and to stakeholders and the department and our legal um, eagles at Parliament at Bukit van der Merwe for, uh, for your uh, inputs and for your attendance. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. The meeting stands adjourned. Long live, long live the chairperson, long live chair, long live chair.